What's up, what's up, what's up? Who we have in the house today? It's one and only Diego Secchi. He just said to me, that's how you say it. Not Secchi, not, what was the other option? Uh, Secchi, if you're French, but I said, don't fuck it up. Like, as you know, <laughs> I, I come over here, you know, you got your podcast and stuff. And of course, you want to make me look good. Start from my name, right? So, yeah. Exactly. Thank you for having me, right? And thank you for having me here. Dude, you came from London all the way to Reading on the train. How was your ride? Was it right? It was awful, but yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> come on, who calls me out on a Saturday afternoon when I'm so busy doing my shit? Oh, to no. come all the way to Reading, I wouldn't come for anything, but you know, I know you for so long and I was totally looking forward to see you again. And, uh, you know, you got away with it. Because I thought it was like a really good, great way to catch up, you know. Um, how long do we know each other? When do when do we meet? When was like that? Like seven, eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. it must be. Yeah. And we met topless <laughs> of course that's how i meet people usually you know so sometimes they see me dressed up they're like listen is it you yeah or, you know, they don't even recognize you i was i was at the gym i was at the gym like a couple of weeks ago because i'm you know quite known around when i go around even in italy you know they know my parents as well sometimes mm. in town or whatever because i i done like quite a lot of stuff there and i was at the gym and then there was a girl on the bicycle training and she's like you know what you look like diego Secchi." <laughs> I was like, shit, you know, they, they always tell me that. Like, <laughs> I, know, I know he's hotter than me, but anyway, I look like him. I know. And, you know, you just take the piss sometimes because, like, come on, man. There's, so. this, uh, there's a very famous interview when Rowan Atkinson, who played Mr. Bean, uh, he was saying the story that someone comes over to him and says, listen, you can actually make money like uh, Mr. Bean's double. Yeah. And then he's like, uh, I am Mr. Bean. And the guy's like, no, you're well, not. <laughs> <laughs> that that well, is. What about that Charlie Chaplin competition? There was like a historical story where Charlie Chaplin competition, like uh, of um, the best double of Charlie oh, Chaplin, right, right, right. and he actually got into the competition and he got third. Wow! So, yeah, that you have to insane. read that story. That so. is insane. Also, there was with Adele as well. Was similar. Uh, these Adele lookalikes, they would compete and they would go and sing. And Adele just gets on the stage and she starts singing. And this one girl, she's like, is <gasps> that? He's like, no, it's not. And then he's no, like, yeah, tell me. All the girls will start crying. Oh, yeah, Adele made a huge transformation. We see her recently. Adele. Uh, yeah, she lost Adele. a lot of weight. Shit, yeah. yeah. She looks like another person. Yeah. Like me with clothes on or off. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like movies. People, people ask me about actors or whatever. I don't watch a lot of TV. Mm. I just watch stuff that I'm interested in, like, you know, maybe when you're in it. And uh, hey. you know, I love it. But hey. There you go. There you go. That's the first time. There you go. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm not into action movies a lot. I don't know. It's just uh, the real, the the, the the good old movies like Jason Statham first movies and stuff. Like, mm. the, the are you a big fan of him? The Transporter or whatever, yeah. like that kind of stuff. That of was a course. classic, wasn't it? Now all these other movies, I think they tend to follow a similar pattern because, of course, the guy always yeah. wins and everything. So. And they try to kind of like a copy or, you know, yeah, because that was successful, they just kind of try to follow up and getting getting that way. Anyways, okay, can you tell me a little bit more about where you're from, where you were raised, a little bit about your childhood, just kind of a little opening. Who so, is Diego Secchi? <coughs> so, I'm, um, I'm Italian. I was born in Italy. I'm uh, 29 now, so I was born in 1992. Mm -hmm. And um, I stayed in Italy uh, pretty much until I was uh, 18 because, of course, I studied there and I, I was going to high school and everything. But then I was really like, passionate about uh, speaking in English. So then I wanted to learn English. I wanted to go outside Italy because I, I was really feeling a bit like closed and um, a bit like... A 
big fish in a small pond sometimes. Hey, like, yeah, I, I love I, that I, expression. I, I want to do stuff, you know, yeah. like I have to be challenged. You know, if, uh, if, if, if all I can do here is this, I want to actually get higher. So I need to be uncomfortable in a way and I need to move where I want to do something. And uh, I was already into like looking good, having muscles and all of that because I was growing up watching wrestling and the WWE and stuff. And that's mm -hmm. how they got me so into like lifting. And uh, I was wrestling as well at the time. So I'm a former wrestler before. I was a former you used to wrestler. Do wrestling? Yeah, of course. Oh, I Because huh? I started doing BJJ now. Yeah. So you can teach me things. Yeah, we, we used to teach uh, BJJ's uh, athletes uh, on the floor. Because once you get on the floor, then we're so good in yeah, yeah, down yeah. and everything. So then once you start defending yourself, we're actually teaching them how to get out the defense and actually twist the thing around. But for us, once you're on the ground, it's finished. So we don't go over to in terms of submissions. Yeah, 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 it's good. I was in the national team of Italy. Wow! You know, when I was a junior, and my coach is uh, the best in the Italian history. So he won two golds and one silver medal at the Olympics. Wow! And then What's a friend, his name? Uh, it's called Vincenzo Maenza, mm -hmm. and uh, it was in the forty-eight kilos category. You know, so but it, that, that's what kind of beautiful about wrestling is that this little kid can actually you know throw you everywhere because of course you play with your uh, balance you and know the physics the power you know and of the opponent so i'm waiting for you to push everything into me and then wow. i decided how to how to play it and then a friend of mine won beijing uh, gold uh, in 1984 uh, kilo category so i was already like doing it at a high level and i was like 15 16 so i really kind of built my uh, sportsman athlete's mentality at the mm. time and then of course i switched into fitness because something was uh something that i had was there that not a lot of wrestlers had like you know the definition and the muscles and the, mm. the symmetry and proportion so a lot of like wrestlers are usually like really bulky but all people like were coming to me after a competition oh you look great look at your abs look at your shoulders say, yeah but just I just won my wrestling competition. Like I'm good, yeah. But you know, look look at that muscle, whatever. So there was something there that people like to uh, aim for, you know. Yeah. And they try to ask you, how can I get there? So then I got into fitness, and uh, it was pretty successful as well. And um, being a uh, an athlete of these like lower, let's say, second class sports in Italy. Is not what gives you a future, you know. So for as good as you are, when you start being 26, 27 in, as a wrestler, you start maybe ending your career. And if you get injured, you end it before as well. Mm. And uh, all, all you got to do to be able to train is get into, um, we call it like um, corp. Like it's kind of a police or a fire department or whatever. How do you call them here? It's like... Uh, um. Well, I know that you guys call it in Italy carabinieri, carabinieri. Yeah, we have many. We have carabinieri, polizia, police. Yeah, uh, you know, state police. But just in general, like a force, like a force, kind of a some group, kind of a like a f group or something. Yeah. So they I'm have. Not sure, is there a name for that? Yeah, all of them. They have their sports team. And oh, so okay. of course they pay your salary to train and actually get results for mm. the Italian team. Mm. But you know, once your career is finished and you got no degree or nothing because of course you've been training all your life, mm. what do you do? You're a policeman and uh, you just stay there on a maybe lower wage and just go on or yeah. try to teach some kids yeah, and yeah. stuff. But that was not really motivating for me, you know, mm. in a sense. So all I gained from that was the really like good discipline that I had and the motivation that I having pushing forward. So as you know from um, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, whatever, once you're on the floor and you keep going, there's no like you know, there's no giving up, there's no um, stopping or whatever. It's not. How like did you get sport. into wrestling? What happened? Did your parents take you? 
No, because I, I, I guess I, as, a, as an only child, you know, I've always been uh, performing better, I think, in uh, individual sports. I, I did all sorts of sports since I was a kid. I did uh, tennis, I did soccer, I did basketball, rugby, I did fencing, I did wow. horse riding. Wow. I did a lot of stuff, and uh, I always loved to do sports. And my parents always forced me to do sports, but not like one single sport, but sports in general. Yeah. So, I was so they liked you to be a well-rounded and... Yeah, they always like pushed me to go out of the house and do things, and uh, mm. that's how I grew up. And that's why I can't understand now these new generations, you know, in being inside and stuff, because it's, it's me. I just go and, and ring to, to my friend's house, and there, there were no phones or whatever at the yeah, time. Yeah, you yeah. just call them out, and then you go, you go home when it's dark, and uh, you just play all day. But it, it just shapes your mentality and uh, personality as well towards people. You have to be there arguing and, uh, and fighting and, uh, and playing together and uh, playing a team and, you know, and, and reaching some goals or whatever. So all the other sports that I did were good and I was using, let's say, my, um, some excuses like, oh, I have my girlfriend here, I have my best friend there, whatever, take me, take me to tennis, take me to, to soccer, whatever. And then slowly I, I, I started going into more of a physical uh side of sports you know and uh there was a an afternoon class for wrestling in my high school as soon as i studied high school in the first year and i did it that first training and i kind of liked it and these sports you know like uh, contact sports are the sports that you either love or hate at the first mm. time there's not like halfway say oh maybe i like it better you always feel that kind of need for uh, connection and um, contact with the with the opponent, mm -hmm. and uh, wrestling is like a full contact sport. So if, yeah, you, if yeah. you do boxing or whatever, there's always like half a meter apart. So you know, like a, a karate guy, you know, pushes you away and then kicks you. But wrestling is so different because obviously you need to feed the mm -hmm. opponent and you control him with your strength and everything. And Greco-Roman wrestling is like from the waist up, so there's no kind of cheating there with your legs and anything. It's just like your pure strength about getting someone on the ground mm. when you're standing in front of them. So that was kind of uh, pushing me or moving something inside me about, you know, being into contact sports and that kind of together starting to shape my, my physique. Mm. So it was like a win-win thing. And then I, I, I started like that. And then when I was around 18, uh, uh, my good friend at the time told me, hey, there's a fitness competition in town now. Why don't you try doing that? Because it's... It's similar, you have a good physique and uh, you're only 18 and you have a lot of potential. And I say, what well, is this physique competitions? You know, I don't know. And uh, it was not a real sport to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I talked to the coach in charge at the time and he's like, yeah, you're crazy, you look like that, you know, come over, come on stage and stuff. And I didn't want to change my training or diet because we, we felt that we were the real athletes and these people were just like showing off. So and it's like, no, you didn't have to change anything, you know, just come on stage and do that. So I just trained for two months for that. And I won the nationals at the time, and I was 18. So I said, "What was that? What, what, what fitness competition was it?" It was a muscle mania at the time. That's wow. why that's what it was called. And you were 18 and, years uh, old. I was 18, and uh, jumping on stage and winning against people that did it for like seven, eight years—it was a great feeling. And you start understanding that maybe wow. you have something different, right? Because it's like, oh, I didn't even put much effort in this, and I did a great result. Well, so the thing is, like, you actually put a lot of effort, but not knowing about it. You were you were doing wrestling. Yeah. But it's somehow... So as you were saying before, uh, typical wrestlers, they don't have a very, like, uh, good definition. Uh, and then... But your case was different. 
or in those two months you said while you were preparing you actually get that definition no because of course uh, they they added some uh exercises to my workout so basically we wrestling we were uh going to the basics so we just got uh bench pressing and uh, clean and jerk and pull-ups and deadlifts and that's all you do for wrestling mm. because of course it's helping you when you're in a fight and when you're in a match because of course you need to lift your opponent whatever so there's no need to do like lateral raises and stuff like that for the details of those muscles yeah so them two months i just added some uh isolation exercises just to add more of a quality you know in the overall physique that i was bringing did so, someone tell, uh, told you how to do it or you just yeah, did that, your own yeah research? no that coach that coach that was uh bringing like a good team of athletes uh told me how to do it what to do and so it got me kind of um, hooked into the whole thing because the group was there, the group was solid. We were meeting like every week as well for posing because it's another big thing as well. And uh, once I was finishing like high school at the time, I was running out of high school and driving my little scooter to to this gym like 20 miles away just to, to get the posing or whatever. And so it was kind of a something that it started off like in a nice way. So I was not alone. Mm. You, 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 you actually end up being a part of a group that respects you and then sees that you really can make it in this and then you actually push them back mm. because you're like shit you know guys you know let's do this together and then of course the competitions were in different cities so then you travel together it's the whole experience about going for an event you know in any sort of sports yeah, if you're doing yeah. motorcycles if you're doing swimming or whatever you go there with a team and you make it but it's not just the results that you have it's something that uh, feels good about the whole experience about mm. being there together and cheering for each other and pushing each other if you're against each other but then at the end of the day just go go back together and you but wouldn't you get this very similar uh, feeling for when you did wrestling yeah of course but when i was wrestling there was no group because i was just mostly there with my coach so it was like oh. a coach athlete relationship because i was you know at the top of my game you know in a way so you know the coach so was there was really not really a big community for you guys to train with and to have like i was i was like when i was 15 16 i was catching the train and going to different cities like three times oh. a week at, at 15 so usually people don't do that and i was like getting the train and getting maybe two hours train ride to have another opponent and we were training with all these people from east europe because they are like the best countries in wrestling so we got romania bulgaria mm. uh, estonia we got russia uh cuba was good as well you know is there anything from latvia uh not yet Latvia. no because latvians yeah, were quite well good, known yeah. as greek aroma i remember it's funny but that you mentioned karate so i used to do karate i, I started when i was 13 till like 17 i became a part of latvian team uh and it was it's very funny that i can relate because i used to travel uh every week and i would go for like travel for two hours get on a train to go to this place where the latvian team was training because in my little town i just like, had a couple of opponents so yeah. there was not much to do so i can very relate it to that and i just so kind of annoyed with myself when i moved to university uh, for university to riga to capital mm -hmm. um, i remember in my university they had a actually greco-roman team but uh, at the time i was just so into dancing i want to do hip-hop i want to do what's up yeah so i wasn't really don't dance too much yeah but it, right now i just like I, f I wish i would have that because starting bjj i have quite yeah. a big advantage uh, like strength wise because the gymnastics because of the circus stuff what i've done and uh but like literally i'm not kidding you yesterday after the job we did uh, on the stunts uh some guys were coming together and this one guy he has a very good experience in in wrestling and he was showing us some moves and stuff and i was like but that is that is really i don't know why you assume that well i assume that's me 
that uh, we look into fitness models or fitness competing in that, we just assume that, oh, they didn't do any other kind of sports. But you come from very, very active background. That's crazy. That's really cool. Well, I'll show you something later. You know, hey, so now I'm, in, now I'm in trouble. No, but <laughs> it's basically, no, that, that, that's why once you find someone is interested in that, you know, you share that passion. Mm. It's like, you know, you, you get someone interested in uh, guns and they go all crazy about that. Yeah. So I love when someone is so passionate about what they do that it's contagious in a way. Oh, so, yeah. So, you know, like talking to people, if someone is into, you know, space and stars or whatever, I love to learn something yeah, from him, yeah, yeah. even if it's not my thing. So then if you're starting off somewhere, then if I can help with something that I've done for so long, yeah. it makes you feel good because yeah, you're like, yeah. oh, you know, maybe it's just like one word, one movement that I show you that will help you forever because, yeah, you know, there's something true. that maybe when you're doing something, someone teaches you in a way that you never forget. Yeah, yeah, and every yeah. time you do this in the future, like, you know, how to set up this microphone, whatever, if they tell you a little trick on how to do it, you'll always do it. Because it's it's interesting and uh, it comes from his experience mm. and uh, he made some mistakes before and now you learn from you that. learn from their mistakes you learn this so instead you know, of doing you from your mistakes yeah because yeah. yeah. so people say like what is the best way well you from your own mistakes it's great to learn but how about you just learn from someone else's mistakes someone yeah, tells you everyone exactly. did almost everything already you know so yeah, yeah to, to 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 learn oh that's great that's great okay so yeah uh, just going a little bit back uh, you did all sorts of sports and uh, when did you stop doing uh, wrestling so. 18 years old, you, you, you did your first... Um, yeah, so after I won the Nationals, it was a very good feeling. And I said, what if I make this my sport? Mm. What can I reach? Well, where can I go? So the year after that, I started like kind of leaving wrestling a bit behind because mm -hmm. I was like, let me focus more on fitness. And when you focus in on, the, on a, an aesthetic uh, type of sport, you start being so conscious about your body mm. and so scared as well mm. about being hurt and getting injured because sometimes uh, injuries were like always there when i was wrestling so i got like a incline like a rib or a sub uh, subslocated shoulder and stuff like that yeah and once you have this stuff you start losing six months of training yeah so if you're into bodybuilding where everything counts in terms of like how your physique looks if i start having six months of training I start losing my tone, I start losing my uh, muscle quality, I start losing my symmetry. Because mm. sometimes, you know, if you're into one shoulder, you can't really train the same. So mm. then you start losing the balance of your physique. So then you start uh, not being 100% of your possibilities and you're not your best. So I said, let me stop everything and let me focus on this. I was not even going skiing because, uh, you know, you might injure your shoulder, your, your knees and everything. So it makes, it makes sense, you know, if you want to do something, you go 100% to it. And uh, that's how I always been. And I always gave myself, you know, I gave myself a year and I say, let me see what I can do next year again and the same competition after one year of training. So I went back and I won again, but it was a very good feeling of winning this time because it was like, oh, I prepped for this and I had this in mind and I visualized this kind of moment throughout the year. So every time I was training, I was looking forward to that. And then it was nine, uh, 19, I was, yeah, 19, 20. I finished my high school and I wanted to move uh, to somewhere where um, was an English-speaking country because, mm -hmm. of course, I, I wanted to study. And uh, this got me together as well. They got me closer to nutrition, mm. which, you know, we, we talk later. But nutrition now became my profession. But as I started um, fitness competitions and as I started being a fitness competitor, I understood how important food is. 
in terms of how you look and in terms of your performance. So wrestling was not having this because wrestling, we finish uh, like uh, two hours, you know, long, uh, hard training, and we were going to it as much as we can because we needed to replenish, you know, the energy we lost. Yeah, yeah. But we didn't care about how we looked. Where in uh, bodybuilding, you start um, training, but that you actually need to be careful about everything that you eat throughout your day to look good as well. So it's mm. not just about the performance; it's about the end result as well of your physique. So that get, that got me so interested. And uh, when you talk to people, usually around the gyms and. Um, there's so much uh, ignorance around the bodybuilding world because they always think they know best and they always, they never kind of study. There's very few people who have like a high level of education and coming from a science background. They always learn from someone that did it before, or their coach or whatever, and they trust these coaches and stuff. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of like uh, kind of illegal stuff going around and whatever. So, of course, you know, it's like a kind of an unregulated market, so to say, that it's very hard to understand what's right or wrong. So some... People do something believing it's the right thing to do because he did it. Oh, so yeah, it must yeah, work yeah. for him. It must work for me. But they don't get it. Why Why don't we try something different? It might work even better. Mm -hmm. But we will never know it if we, if, if we don't do it. But a lot of people are scared of doing this because if you do something wrong for a year of your prep, you're wasting a year of time. You know, you're wasting a year of your time with the wrong diet where mm -hmm. you could have got even better. So now you're losing some muscle and this and that. So there's a lot of like... Um, ideas and uh, fears that are going around these people's head, you know, when they train. And so they keep doing the same thing over and over and yeah, over yeah, again yeah, yeah. until they get too old to compete or too old to, you know, to look good. And then they just quit. Where I wanted to learn from someone that was knowledgeable about nutrition and uh, about the whole field of uh, food and food science. So I started researching and I looked at uh, the best universities for me to study in America, in uh, London. In, uh, in UK, in Australia. So I found out that in London, there was um, one of the best universities, uh, the top one in the country and number 13 in the world was King's College. And so I applied for like three or four because at the time when you apply, you apply for different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you don't uh, know which one is going to accept yeah. it. Yeah, actually, like you know, the, the, this one came back saying no. But then I said, listen, you guys are the best. I want to I study there. Listen, you and guys are uh, making big mistakes. Do you know who I am? And, <laughs> and then they knew because they accepted me. But uh, there was just like 20 places a year. Wow. And, um, of course, you know, they require like a high level of English, but at the same time, they require a high level of motivation of what, mm. for what you do. So they, I'm a surveyor in Italy. That's what I studied before. So you know what a surveyor is? It's like no. before an architect. So I can design houses in Italy. So oh, an architect okay. designs bridges and, you know, big skyscraper. A surveyor mostly designs like houses and maybe streets and stuff like that. It depends on where you're working. Oh, what so is the English name for that? Oh, they call it Surveyor. Surve yeah. Sur yeah. Surveyor, wow. Yeah. So no, anyway, no, no. I did that because in high school, you know, you got that career. I could have gone into that career. A friend of mine, a lot of friends, you know, they studied with me, they're still doing that. But I was more into sports and I was more into nutrition. So when I came here and asked to study nutrition, they're like, oh, you didn't do enough um, science to be accepted in this mm. course. And I said, no, no, I did it. I studied this in high school. So I had to go back to Italy to get all my programs approved by oh, the teachers right, that taught right, right. me about the cell and this and that and the organelles and whatever you have in your body and uh, biochemistry and chemistry at the time for them to understand that I did something. Mm. And so they told me, listen, we give you a conditional offer now, meaning that we accept you if you do something. So then I, I had to study one more year just for chemistry, biochemistry, and uh, biology, chemistry, and physics. 
just to have the degrees, like the, the marks that they wanted for me mm. to be into the course, to be admitted. And then that was not even it because after I finished that, which, you know, Kings being like one of the top in the country, of course they have different criteria and they get harder as they go higher in the rankings. So they asked me for like a A, uh, two A's and one B to mm-hmm. come out with this course, you know, these course marks. And I came out with like well, I, one A star and two A's or whatever. So I was really like showing them that I wanted to do it. They asked me for an IELTS test. And then once you get this criteria, they say, okay, we're going to invite you for an interview. And so out of like thousands of people applying for that, 170 got called for an interview and they need to pick 20 out of these wow. 170. So those are so competitive, but it, I was already kind of doing what I wanted to do because I told you I was not pushed in Italy. So as mm. I moved here, I said, shit, I, I'm into this thing That's and perfect. there's no plan B, I need to do this. So in that interview, they asked me a lot of stuff about science, about whatever I, I knew. Because, of course, they ask you something that is harder and harder and harder to understand how much you study for yourself. Mm. And so at the end, you know, I will be funny because, you know, we Italians. And I said, listen, if you keep asking me this hard question, if I knew it, why do I come to you guys, you know, to learn? So you never know if they took it the wrong way because, you know, English people, sometimes they get it differently. Hey. So like, shit, you know, I might play my game here. I, I, I might actually might, uh, play my spot. But, you know, it worked. And I said, uh, you know, and then I said, listen, uh, I love doing sports and I love how nutrition shapes my sport and stuff. And they're like, oh, yeah, we can see you do sport, whatever. So, you know, your, your uh, personality as well played like a big role in there because, of course, they start knowing me better. And then there was a meeting around that after the interviews and I was talking to the headmaster himself because he was interested into my competition because I was having my meal where everybody else was actually eating whatever they, whatever food they put there. Yeah, where yeah, I was yeah. having my meal because I prep at home. Yeah. I said, hey, listen, in a, in, a, in a week time, I have my European championship that I need to compete at. So they were like, into what I was doing wow. more than like anything else. So of course, you know, sometimes in life it comes down to how you are, how you present yourself, yeah. but you need to be really honest and genuine. Did you see some times. students who were trying to get in and they were out of shape? Did yeah, you see of any course, of those? Of course. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't Did you like, went and asked them, so, oh, you want to learn about nutrition so you can get in shape? <laughs> yeah, and I say, listen, contact me in three years' time when I finish this and I, I, I help you. But So uh, that t- altogether, how long it took you? Four years. So it's three years, you know, studying plus one extra. No, year, no, no. You know? How long it took you to get in? You said, like, so you had all these challenges. Yeah, so they gave me, uh, since I have, like, from when I applied, it took, like, over a year. Because over a when year. you apply, then you jump into that course, and that course was, like, uh, eight months. And then eight months, it was running from January to August instead of from September to September. Mm. And in September, the year was starting for, for, for university. So I did August, I did two weeks holiday, not even that. And then I studied into uni, but I didn't really care, you know, because uh, that's what I wanted to do. And then I came out with a nice degree and, uh, you know, people know the name of my uni everywhere in the world, you know, yeah, from yeah, uh, yeah, China yeah. to America, whatever, to wherever I go. They're like, oh, you know, King's is a very good university. So sometimes you have to invest in this thing as well for people that value education yeah. because you know, you never know who you're going to meet. And, and you did uh, the IELTS test, which I actually done twice. So yeah. for those who don't know what IELTS is, I've it's basically four times. Yeah. Four ta- you did yeah. it four times. Because of course, you know, once, you, once they want some like crazy hard criteria, you know, they give you a minimum, they give an overall score, oh, but so they give you a minimum for every single yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, skill. Yeah. And so this, you Listening, know, King, reading, yeah, writing, and all Kings that stuff. Kings was like 7.5 overall, mm. but a minimum of like 6.5 in everyone. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. you can get someone higher because of course he needs to make 7.5. Yeah. But then I think I was having like for writing, I was having six. Mm. And you didn't accept that. They want 6.5. What? So I had to do it again 
to focus that was my hardest reading. as well that's the thing i got in canada in university and simon fraser's okay. uh, so I was where i was studying journalism for half a year before i got kicked out of canada um <laughs> that's a different story but um yeah that is and i love when you said like when you felt felt oh this is challenging i need this and and then straight away that's your personality that's who you are it was like it's, if it would be too easy what's the point which is really cool it, it, it comes out to you know from everyone doing sports i think and now when i work with so many of my clients as well as an online coach i or see my patients in the clinics then it comes down to them not having this mentality sometimes mm. so i was like it's not food or the right training whatever that stops you from doing this because anyone can go on the internet tomorrow and download a diet or a healthy way of living but yeah, yeah. they're not going to stick to it because the mentality is not there so if you come from sports i always admire and respect uh, respect like um athletes because they have that mentality of pushing through yeah, and yeah. not giving up so if you apply that mentality and discipline that's what i do mostly with my clients i try to give them and pass this on to them of not quitting so once they go to the supermarket tomorrow they're not buying chocolate not because i said so because they know why they're making this conscious choice now on themselves awesome so, this is the perfect ending for the first half <laughs> for the first bits where's the music where's the music hey okay we're back in a second this is better okay diego back in our studio what else? Show me the others. Uh, what else we have? <laughs> that's that's <laughs> when good. someone is very funny. Then, <coughs> hey, if you tell a joke, I will do that. Tell me a joke. Do you have a joke? Two Italians come in a restaurant. And then? That's it. That, that, <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's a joke. <laughs> and the mystery is out there. Okay. Yeah, that's when the joke This goes work. for the joke. This goes for the, <laughs> the Italian joke. Yeah, and then, then we just have that. A little laugh. Um, you should go for like a sexy voice announcing your. Podcast, I can actually you know those people. I like, can actually do it. I can record Renard this thing. Podcast. You know, Renard's uh, podcast. Everyone, watch out. That sticks to people's head, you know. Yeah, yeah. Look at you. Look at you. Like this is uh, this is Diego's uh, Instagram. Oh my god! I remember when you posted this one. I just like uh, commented, "Can he do a backflip?" Because <laughs> this <laughs> is my days. thing. It's I always like try to say like, "Well, how can actually that physique can do stuff? Yeah. Can that physique do the stuff?" And I can't say that to you anymore because you are now freaking you know. wrestler and shit. Uh, from from like other sports, do you do anything else? Uh, I saw you posting some about tennis. I mean, do you still do it like quite regularly or just a little bit? Yeah, for like fun? yeah, I got back into tennis now, like quite recently, and I was uh, in Bulgaria over the summer, mm -hmm. and uh, I like it because I used to play before, yeah, and. Um, now as i got back into it uh some people that were teaching me or whatever they're like oh you you played before because you got potential whatever and that's again you know something that something what you've done in the past and that muscle memory something yeah. you know oh. you say oh these people say i got potential they got no interest in saying that mm. you know let's see what we can do here maybe mm. get up to a, like a tournament level of whatever but the thing is that you, like your discipline sometimes they need to coexist so yeah to play good tennis i will have to lose a lot of muscle mass and maybe be a bit unbalanced as well. This was mostly to show people that you're doing something different or whatever here was in Italy. But uh, yeah, it's interesting because then you start practicing and uh, you start, oh, that's a good sound. Okay. Oh no. Look at the moves. 
Nice. I don't know why is it so small. Oh, because maybe it's in uh, yeah, it's in landscape mode. Cool. But, yeah, and yeah, some workout tips or whatever. Some clients, any other uh, so any other stuff you still do? I like play table tennis, man. Are you good? Um, I'm pretty pretty okay no 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 I'm not Um, I grew up we didn't really have table tennis I think the first time I played it was in university we had a table in uh, student dormitories Okay, but I'm like very very basic in in that kind of stuff I played a little bit of pool my my main stuff was football basketball volleyball and it's sometimes people just get freaked out like how the fuck I can play volleyball so well I was like I grew up with that shit it's literally we sometimes would go one day would go football in the morning basketball afternoon and volleyball in the evening yeah. so we'd always play ball sports and i think for me like when i continued doing karate it really helped me for my coordination for movement for balance and stuff like that so those are really good sports i play a lot of soccer as well of course you know there you can see there you I go. Play a lot of soccer with my friends and because uh, it's something it's like a national sport in italy so yeah I'm still fast and everything that's why if you've always been doing sport to people your age you're so much better in terms of like athleticism mm, and uh, mm. how your body responds in the mm. performance because they they got maybe no cardiovascular capacity anymore mm. or they're like tired already and they're not explosive so i like to keep up with aging because of course you know your nutrition and training plays a huge part on this and mm. uh, beach volley i love beach volley as well yeah because over the summer day you're so competitive it's if you got if you got a good very, teammate and it's, it's very good. tiring yeah when i was in bali i tried to because my mornings would be i'll start with surfing then i would do bjj or muay thai and then an afternoon like closer to sunset uh, everyone goes play volleyball and i came to do a couple times and then when you have all those things next morning i couldn't get the fuck out of my bed i was so tired of the sand yeah the sand and and to be fair like where we were playing the sand was so nasty it's like uh, black sand Mm. it's like you get all dirty and stuff so i didn't didn't and it's hard as well on you if you fell on it you just like scratch it yeah 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 and i used to i used to play five five volleyball like the uh, is it five or six it's five yeah three in front and two in the back that's the one I did. Um, so yeah, yeah, you were telling me about how you started the podcast though as well. We are talking about before. Yeah, and here's the book, which we were talking about as well a little okay. bit later. Okay, so what I wanted straight away uh, in a previous segment, you mentioned about nutrition and all that stuff we're getting into. First of all, uh, what is your opinion about the, all the thing about uh, steroid stuff? And uh, do you, because like, I never done steroids. I've I've met uh, I used to work with people who've done them, and I think they kind of overdid them, or they didn't really know what the hell they're doing. It. I think there could be benefits of it if you know what you're doing, and if you have like certain like the amounts and whatever. What is your stance about all of this? I I, I feel that everyone kind of is in uh, charge or is responsible for whatever mm-hmm. they put into their body. Yeah. And, uh, you know, being a sports nutritionist myself now, you know, I finished my master's degree as well in sports nutrition, and we. Uh, work closely as well with the uh, UK anti-doping uh, organization as All well. Right. So when they test people doing sports and stuff, and uh, we usually found that all these illegal illegal like substances are actually more present into the low level of right. people just do it recreationally right and which sometimes doesn't make sense from the outside and is absurd but at the same time these people just want shortcuts to get there i was just about to say they want to cut, cut the corners it's yeah. crazy like listen you're going to the gym maybe three times a week you know for fun after work mm. what's the point in taking so much stuff that first you didn't even know what they do secondly you get it from someone mm. at the gym which of course comes from the black market you know mm. they, they're not tested you know they might actually give you a lot of side effects which sometimes you can never recover from. 
because of course it's like it creates an imbalance in your hormones as well in your hormonal homeostasis as well and thirdly why do you spend extra money and extra health on something that doesn't even give you money because it's not your job so i understand some people may go in full on and they understand that that's beneficial for them meaning maybe you know you get in shape for a competition or for mm. a movie or for whatever you have to make or to do you you that symbol and people expect you to look like that and of course with aging you can't allow your body to age so that's why a lot of people record to all different uh, uh, methods of not aging so from uh, in America there's like some uh, aesthetic surgeons they call now and it's all legal you know they tell you how to maybe do testosterone replacement therapy and all of this because of course slowly with age your testosterone levels decrease and then, of course, you need to actually up it up a little bit, you know, yeah. you top it up. And it's normal because, of course, you want to keep the same level of feeling as well and performance and strength that you have when you're lifting. But a lot of other people just not knowing what they're doing, I always kind of try to push them or teach them the right way of doing things. In terms yeah. of like, get a feeling of nutrition, get a feeling of training, get, get right at it mm. and understand when your body's working at its best. I think when you said it before, like the, the people who are usually doing steroids and they want to do shortcuts and those, and that, that's where we can go and kind of talk about the, 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 uh, uh, social media so uh, which photo is going to be like the most oh when you're buff and you're muscly and you, you your veins are popping out and unfortunately that trend goes there and you know a lot of people try to look up to these bodybuilders and thinking like oh if I take the steroids and if I do that I'm going to look like that and I'm going to get obviously the attention and dopamine is going to be going through the roof so it's you know all these kind of reasons but you're right um, even in like what I do like in gymnastics and training and, and you do backflip for example a lot of people think like oh yeah this and like these tiktok horrible no, i'm not gonna go that far these annoying videos when they're like oh you just break it down so you need to do number one jump up number two tuck number three see the land and you open open up it's like there's so much more involved yeah. and these people go and try to do that and they break their necks somewhere so when you go to gymnastics and the coach actually breaks it down what the things you need to do yeah. and how to do it and then and for me it was like i started learning backflip uh, when i was watching jackie chan films and I almost literally broke my my neck in my garden jumping off the uh, uh, chicken coops uh, roof <laughs> yeah so not yeah. knowing what i'm doing and it, that's very similar like someone's like oh yeah someone told me do to do those steroids and that's when, when did you start like training seriously for gymnastics i think uh, when i moved to london which was about nine years ago so oh, now right, i'm 30 uh, uh, 37 now so i started gymnastics probably like when i was 27 28 yeah. that was the and and I, my progress was just so fast just because i was uh, basically going from basics i was like tell me what to do in order to get my backflip good uh, how to do rings how to do power bars all those kind of things and uh, that mentality really helped me for the stunt industry because um a lot of t like you could you just can't cut corners if you will you will get injuries and like nasty ones twisted ankles broken bones and things like that yeah. so like high diving you know when i start doing high diving jumping from 10 meters it's like the first time I get on 10 meters platforms, like there's no fucking way I can do this. Yeah. But then like the mentality of gymnastics all, 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 all of a sudden turn in. I was like, oh, start with three meters, then five meters, then seven meters. Build your confidence. Understand what happens when you smack that water. And, you know, and then also like two months later, I'm doing 10, 10 meters easy because you understand what's going on.
Yeah. And I think that's about anything and everything in, 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 in your life. And people just hate to do baby steps. And then that's why they go steroids or crazy protein powders. I haven't taken protein shake in ages, you know, and it's like, I'm still in a good shape and doing my stuff. And, but because I'm just been doing it all the time, I guess. So, yeah. And a lot of people don't love the process of doing things. Mm. So to me, of course, you know, it sounds stupid, but I like the feeling of how I train and muscles are a result of what I have. Yeah. So, of course, you don't, of course, you you want, you know, to look good and you want muscles, but I love the feeling of when I train. So then after training, I go home and I'm tired, I'm hungry, I have my meal, you know, I sleep properly. Sometimes mm. if you don't train for, for some days, you have some problems sleeping sometimes because like, I really need to be tired to, to, to do this and I really need to be happy at the end of the day mm. because I I did something I added something more to whatever I'm doing and I'm building and then as a result you have a great body so the same goes for you you love going and doing your gymnastics and do your uh, training and diving or whatever but your body is actually working and moving all the time and oh, of, course of course it needs to uh, adapt to the shocks and to the work that you're giving him to do so next time he can actually compensate and say okay if he's lifting this much that's how i grow my muscle because then i can kind of uh sustain that easier mm. next time mm. but a lot of people like oh i want muscles i want a good body so i have to go to the gym i have to train and i said to people listen do something that you like and you enjoy doing go do crossfit go for a run go on a bike Oh, no, that's no, don't laugh. Sorry. Yeah, not laugh. Put, yeah. put, put me the little. Yeah, what? Summer. Yeah, yeah. That's the magic. Basically, that's the answer to magic. And I can't. That's a secret. I, I can't. Secret. I can't even secret. agree more to you because the, my philosophy is so is uh, do again do stuff what you, makes you happy. Anything physical, whatever, and body is gonna come. Don't think about like I don't even think about it anymore. Like, oh, am I gonna look good? Uh, when I used to perform uh, doing Dream Boys, or you need topless, good look, you know, very good. And then I was thinking more about what I'm eating, whatever. Now I, for the last seven years, I even haven't one thought about it. All I care about to have that dopamine kick after I've done my training, because as you know very well, it's the dopamine kick, right? What you get when you feel accomplished and you did uh, you release the dopamine as you train. And there's what what else does your body releases as you train? some certain stero um, uh, protein or whatever, and then it makes you feel better. So anytime if I feel shit, and I hear this a lot from my other stunt guys, from gymnasts, they're like, literally, you have a shitty mood. It doesn't matter what training you do, and if it's not, not wasn't very successful, you're still gonna feel better. What is what, what happens with your body there? No, so mostly, yeah, you release uh, some sort of substances that are similar to uh, drugs, you know? Yeah. Because of course, drugs get you there. Yeah. And they get you in that state where you feel accomplished. But at the same time, it works in a synergic um, effect where cortisol, so the stress level goes down. Mm. So, of course, if you have less stressed, you already feel good. So, your body releases cortisol. Is that what it is? No, cortisol, yeah, is the, is the stress hormone. Oh, okay. But at the same time, this decreases. Oh, this it's decreased. Level because, oh, okay. of course, you know, if you hold it in from a long day at work and stuff, you don't go anywhere to de-stress. Mm. That's like building up. And there's a lot of other consequences um, related to uh, the buildup of toxins in your blood, you know, high cholesterol, high uh, blood pressure as well. Mm. And these, in turn, can lead to a lot of, like, chronic diseases as well and conditions. So if we use training, it lowers your cholesterol, 
sorry, your uh, cortisol, and then increases as well your dopamine levels mm. and serotonin. That's what you're looking for as well, serotonin, right. which in your brain acts like a, kind of almost like a reward um, hormone. Mm-hmm. Where you feel like, oh, I did a good job, and that's what I'm having. So it's like that kind of feeling mm. that you're experiencing in your brain, together with less stress. So it's all coming together. You're like, shit, you know, I need this. I need mm. this again tomorrow. I want to get more and more and more. Yeah. So that's why you're hooked into training or whatever activity you do. So why do you think some people don't get that feeling of, like, I know that I can't live my life without training. If I don't train one day, only if I'm like getting like, I had a, like a nasty injury. But even then, if I had an injury, I know just I feel shit because I do want to do something. And But then some people just don't feel like it. How how come? Because right, I guess we're all, we're all different, but uh, it's the way we've been like, brought up. Mm-hmm. You know, as I said before, my parents pushed me to do sport. They kind of taught me how to feel that. So I think you have to be taught something. So that's mm. why I'm saying to you, um, passing onto my clients this uh, mentality. Mm-hmm. And even if they're like 40, 50, we can still fix that. But some people are not competitive. You know, it's not their blood. So when I play anything, I play Uno cards and I play chess and I play something. I need to win. I don't care if it's like if if it's like now. Let's see who's drinking this faster. That I have to win. You know, is is in my blood. We're gonna have a beer later. One one glass you of can beer. beer. I hate beer. But you uh, hate beer. I, but if it's oh, a challenge, shit. I can still drink one of it. Them. You know, so that, that's that's how I am. Yeah, if yeah, it's yeah. a challenge, I do it. But some <laughs> people they play for fun and they're like, oh yeah, well, I lost whatever. You know, it's not whatever. You know, otherwise why do you waste time <laughs> in just playing? Like you know, you go to the beach to play this beach volley, right? And you play against a team who just like to have fun. Yeah. Once they don't do a couple passes right or they don't smash you whatever and they just lose the ball and start laughing at each oh, other like ah, I missed it it's not like it pissed me <laughs> off you know you, you can't play my team if you do that you know <laughs> and if you're against me then I destroy you so that's how it goes I love it it's I love piss it me off, man. I'm listen, so, listen this is why I'm same do- goes for you I guess right? this like, is why I'm doing podcasts because <laughs> I would never know these things about you this is so cool I totally can relate to you this is the story you would know if you play against Dude, me this is the story I went to Canada yeah. lived uh, so lived there for a while and I, I joined this volleyball team, right? And we would be playing this like little tournament. And as we play, uh, this one girl, she's not getting the ball. Like every time it goes to her, she's just losing it. And obviously we're losing it. Perfect. And every time she lost the, uh, the ball, the uh, rest of the team members, Canadians, go, oh, good effort. Well done. Good effort. Fuck good no. job. You're trying hard. I can see it. And I just like, on my face and in shock. Yeah. What do you mean good yeah. effort? We just lost because of her. You're in a volleyball team and game, you know? Like yeah. good effort yeah. if you're like a, a, a fucking... I don't know, so, someone else is like just <laughs> passing by. It's a good effort if you catch the ball, but missing a ball in a ball game, like, doesn't make sense, right? Like, exactly. But also, this is getting me annoyed. But like, also, because well, I was raised in that kind of uh, environment where we all tried the best. Obviously, we try our best to win, and we would be upset if we lose. But then again, Northern uh, Northern America, uh, like states or, or Canada, they would be like that. Oh, yeah, as long as you participate. A participation ribbon, you know, that kind of community. Look at it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Diego's going to blow up in a second. <laughs> He's like, fuck like, that. No, it's like that guy that created that quote about saying, uh, the importance is not winning is just participating you know I guess a loser made that because, you know, of, course, of course like you know but, come it, on. but also like I, it's I'm important to participate whatever because some people can look back and say okay try like me last year I came second in the world I did my world championship and I came oh, second shit. in the whole world and I was like as pissed off as hell and everybody comes to me and say shit you know you're the second best fitness guy in the world well, I said listen yeah but there's still someone above me and that's what keeps me going and mm. so 
when you're so ambitious and so motivated in doing something, when I won my European Championship, when I was 21, I, I won my European Championship as soon as I moved to London. It was the first ever competition I did internationally and I won it. And uh, I felt shit after that because you worked a lot towards something. And then once you have it and once you gain it, say, shit, what's next? Yeah. I can't just like relax and, you know, lay down and say, okay, I'm d- I did it. You know, it's me. I'm the champ, whatever. So that's why you, you never feel, oh, shit. Are you, oh, are you shit. Right oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get, get some applauses in there. Look at this. I'm next ah. to the legend. Le- I'm next to the legend. Uh, if that someone doesn't know, show. I'm on the on the left. Yeah, just just so uh, I'm not the I'm not Rowan, other legend. But how yeah. crazy is this photo? We actually oh, I'm I'm actually standing next to like Look at that. what what uh, what uh, place did you take this one? It's a that, TFE competition. Yeah, this was funny because I was at this arena last weekend because I was a judge in a competition. Addleston, is at it? That, at that, uh, no, I, I was at Miami Pro. Oh, St. Albans. Oh, St. Albans. Yeah. Sounds like Addison. So I was in Miami Pro, I was a judge, and then I brought an athlete of mine, and uh, it was his first ever competition, and we won this competition. And next week, we're going for the European with him. So now I do it a lot as a coach. But that competition was funny because it shows you how people perceptives are, you know, this, perceptions this, are. This are is the, the, your athlete, yeah, this, is it? This is the guy. So you can scroll on the right there, and you see how he started off with me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! There was a photo where he before Boom. and after. Yeah, so wow. you know, here we work like seven what's his months, name? Seven months. Ago. Scott. Scott. Shout out to Scott. He's from Wales. From so, Wales. Hey, we work seven months together. So this is what I like to do. All I do. So mostly my my clients well, are actually we still older. need this one. This is look such at a that good photo. Look at so this. that's good. You know, this is this would be like you know <laughs> historical photos, man. Because we look we look at this like in twenty years time, whatever we see. I know where we are. Yeah, know, where we are in life, what we've done, and. Uh, but it's, it's do, you, do you remember like that? Uh, I was just they met- didn't even place me in there. So they didn't place me in that. And then, then the, the week after, I won the European Championship. Yeah. So this shows you what kind of different uh, ideas in a subjective sport like yeah. this can be. And Rogers, uh, Roger Snipes was uh, one of the uh, judges there. Really? Yeah, Roger. Was he? I was with Roger this past weekend as Dude, well. Dude, Roger is coming this th- Thursday for oh, yeah, a podcast. Yeah. yeah. So I'm very excited to have him. Yeah. And I funny s- enough, we're working day. on a film together right now which I can't talk about. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, and Rowan was the one who convinced me to join it. But do you remember that I was just messing around all day on yeah, that of thing? Course. <laughs> That's why you done your splits and your backflips and uh, stuff like but that. Also, but also, but I went out and just did this, uh, uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, actually yeah, like piss. taking the piss of yeah. these people. They're like, oh, what the fuck is doing? Yeah, and Rowan, and uh, Joe, uh, and, uh, uh, Roger came and told me off. He's like, you shouldn't be, this is disrespectful. I'm like, Sorry, <laughs> so yeah, but I had fun. I had fun. It was it was cool. It was a good, you know, beginning of the days of you know fitness yeah, in the UK, and then slowly a lot of people passed by, and uh, there's very few people that are still there that I saw from the beginning, like mm. you know Roger and uh, me. Rowan started off a little bit, and then it's shifted to fashion yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But some other people like Ulysses and those people uh, still work together. Mm. But then other people, like fitness industry, is like such a fast-paced industry that one day you're here. Tomorrow you're yeah, there yeah, if you're yeah. not consistent with what you do. That's why I always pushed my nutrition and my degrees as well because it's always something that uh, stays with you. Yeah, so and to push. Whenever I'm tired of all of this, whatever, I can open up my own clinic. Mm. You know, I can I can have my patients coming to me. I can do my things, and that's your 
backup plan or pension plan or yeah. whatever. But for now, it's good to explore the world and fitness game is so much. Or you just have a many different streams, streams of income and streams of things you do. Because like it is one of the craziest thing when people put all their eggs in a basket in the same basket, all all eggs in one basket, and that what happened with me on that second year when I was uh, doing stunts. That year I didn't get any work, you know, stunt wise, and uh, and and in the beginning of that year I quit all my training because I used to teach gymnastics, used to teach pole acrobatics and and uh, and conditioning, and then I realized this is not a good idea. So yeah. you have to have different plans, especially if you're a performer, if you get injuries and things like that. And um, that's one thing I'm teaching uh, on my new book. Awesome. Should, do you want to do you want to get into it? Let's do the book. Uh, listen, in this one we have another eight minutes to talk about. Uh, let's do. Uh, let's talk about your book in the next segment. Yeah. Uh, this one I still want to ask you a couple things about nutrition stuff. Yeah. What is your stance about uh, fasting? I wanted to know you as a super yeah, you, duper you, expert. You, you told me now you you're fasting right because you learn from someone else is that it's good for you. Yeah. So, well, what do you do? What so the I started intermittent fasting about probably seven, like six years ago. Um, I, it was interesting that in the same time I had a three different influencers in my life. One was my kung fu teacher who just said that you should just stop eating uh, after four o'clock a day. So like he his idea was like you shouldn't be eating before the bed and stuff like that so and then you have that bigger gap between your b- between your food uh then there was a second person who used to come to gymnastics as well he was talking about intermittent fasting he just said like i don't do breakfast and then i have a window of eight hours when i eat and the third one which is um was on my podcast uh dominic um rapson and he lives in Bali, and he's done like 15 years of uh, researching about dieting and and diets and nutrition, and he lived with tribes, and he uh, traveled to different places, and he said like intermittent fasting or fasting in general is one of the greatest things you can do. Um, so, and then when I started, I was very kind of uh, skeptical about it, but then I realized if I don't eat about 20 hours, my training goes way of, like I'm way more explosive, I have a lot, way more energy, and in the same time, I just love to th- believe into in this concept because I'm just too lazy to cook. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So what is so, what is your? So what are you doing? What uh, structure do you you have? I just I just don't. Sixteen eight. I basically yeah sixteen eight. I just don't do breakfast basically. So okay. doing breakfast and like today all I had was one banana as you can see, uh, a very healthy drink right there, and uh, and that's about it. And a coffee in the morning. Yeah. And then we and then I will eat. We gonna eat. Yeah, and that would be your meal. And that would be my meal. Yeah. And so some days I would say I would eat. Are you looking for something specific in your meal when you're having your meal? Um, The composition of the food. Composition. I I usually I usually would get have fish or meat, and every day I try to have a different concepts. I do have sometimes uh, vegetarian, but not very often. I love eggs. I love uh, meats and stuff like that. But I was vegan for two years didn't really make big difference for me i just kind of gets a little bit bored of doing the same thing so yeah so now you feel that's working for you in terms of like feeling good high energy I levels say, yeah yeah and i was like i think i got used to it so much now that yeah. and i really enjoyed the buzz what you get after you've been, been dieting it feels like almost you're getting high yeah. it's like uh and then when you have your first meal a day it feels like wow i really earned it and it tastes so fucking much better and th- i just like the whole idea about that you need to kind of cleanse your body instead of we just stuffing it that that food over and over and i do believe in the idea of that how back in the days people that we wouldn't have food all the time you know yeah. it wasn't that easy and then your flight and um uh, the response what is the flight and fight or flight fight or flight response is much better as well 
Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of works for me. So as I said to everyone, I think the best diet is the one that you can follow. Yep. So if you feel good with this, it's great. I usually use it with uh, overweight patients because it's very easy to lose weight mm-hmm. when you do this. And uh, and together with it, your body cleanses up itself as well because it depends on where you live. But it's very hard to have like clean food all the time. Like mm-hmm. now we live in a big city. We live in London or whatever. So everything that they import from here everything that comes into the supermarkets or whatever. That's why I say to people, you can make a choice to a certain extent because once you go to the supermarket, the choice has already been made for you. Mm. And of course, you have to buy whatever is there. And uh, you don't know how this stuff is actually raised or you know how it's harvested or anything. So of course, you need to trust these people. And uh, the healthier you can go, the greener you can go, whatever, there's always like a certain limit to what you can do. Mm. And so... Uh, this can uh, work with uh, this kind of way of thinking because, of course, you actually put less uh, chemicals or less shit into your body. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, it always depends on why you do a certain diet. So for me, there's an aesthetic uh, purpose to it as well. So if I fast all the time, I feel that I'm losing too much weight right. because I need a sustained in- in- intake of food throughout my day to actually replenish my glycogen stores to replenish my um, protein uh, tissues as well that mm-hmm. I've broken down over you know in, over my training, and at the same time I need to feel uh, at my kind of full energy levels all the time. And that's so, why that's why Diego when he got got to my place he's like I'm hungry and I'm like all I have is cocoa pops. Are you happy to that? He's like okay. <laughs> That's, that's how I am like because if, if I'm used to eat these uh, often every two or three hours then I'm, I'm hungry because yeah. your body needs that so uh, com- compared to you we might have more, more, mostly maybe maybe the same like amount of calories in but I actually broke them down through the day so mm. of course you know got a kind of a sustained release of these right. um, calories and nutrients that I have into my body but it's a bit of uh, easier job for my metabolism to absorb that and to process that because it's smaller meals and they get into my system quite uh, rapidly instead of having a big meal and then your yeah, metabolism needs to switch that, on again. That's the one where I'm trying to figure out and obviously yeah. you're, you know way more than I do. But like, so when I was part of Dream Boys and when I kind of got more into fitness, I did do six meals a day. So yeah. all the prepping and I would have quite boring. Uh, obviously that's, you know, boring because I made that choice uh, certain well, I would have like tuna and chicken and whatever. So it was like oh you always need to prepare that and um i don't know if i have feel any different that way i look or i definitely feel like i have more energy when i fast and i eat uh, you know less but i can agree that when i have my massive meal i want to fall asleep because my body's just spending all the energy just to do that uh, digest but now it's just like the, the question, or is it again because of the different body types? For someone, it's going to work six meals yeah, a day, and for someone, it's just not going to work. W- would that be the case? Well, yeah, but at the same time, you're now talking, you, you might say you look the same, but then you got another four or five years of training on top of it. So, mm. of course, you build more muscle mass. So, it's, it's, it's a muscle, muscularity that stays there for years. So, every year you build up. So, of course, your body will look better now than before. But if you... Uh, we're tracking as well maybe your body fat or you know your body mass or whatever you might see that you'll be lighter when you fast because of course you know that energy once it gets into your body 
there's only a certain limit of nutrients that can be absorbed in mm -hmm. one time. So it's like, uh, let's say for protein as an example, if you go over the, let's say 40 grams per portion, after that it's kind of useless to have because your body cannot process that much protein in one go. Right. So that's why sometimes we break it down in different uh, meals. So like with the same with, I don't know, let's say vitamin C, right? That's like a big thing because a lot of people go, to the pharmacy and you get two or three different types of vitamin C. You go to Olin Bar, it's 500 milligrams, one gram, 1 1.5 grams of uh, vitamin C. So they actually take the bigger one, because the biggest one, because they're like, oh, I, I'm gonna have a lot of vitamin C and that cleans up my system. It's, mm. a, it's an antioxidant as well. And it keeps me healthy through the winter and stuff like that. But a lot of people don't know that uh, the threshold for your body to process vitamin C is 500 milligrams. So right. is it, as it's like a, a water-soluble vitamin, if you get over the 500 milligrams, then you're going to pee out the excess vitamin C that you're getting in. So I can buy the 500 milligrams for five pounds, and you can buy the 1.5 grams for 10 pounds, and we actually absorbing the same amount of vitamin and you're just wasting your money. Just wasting your money. You're peeing out the excess vitamin that you're taking in. So Ta Talking about the peeing, so do, do you agree to that, that if your pee is white, that means it's fine, like when it's clear, yeah. white, fuck. fuck. Uh, when it's just, when <laughs> it's just milk. Uh, yeah, yeah, when yeah. it's just the clear, then yeah. it's uh, your body's supposed to be fine. As soon as it gets like, uh, you know, anytime I have Barocca, which is the, uh, you know, the tablet drink, so my piss gets like all yellowy and stuff. So then, is that mean that I'm just had too much C vitamin whatever and I'm chucking out or it's well, just the type of broken No, we, without the uh, multivitamins or whatever we use this a lot with athletes you know as sports nutritionists mm. we use this because it's the easiest method for people to understand if they hydrated enough oh, and okay. that's, that's, yeah. that's how it goes so if you're uh, urine is, uh, if you're dehydrated, your urine turns a bit darker and darker, darker and darker. darker. And we, we, we're talking about, you know, almost like uh, kind of a brownish color sometimes yeah, yeah, when yeah. people start having like kidney problems as well. So uh, if athletes are on the go and if athletes are going traveling different, you know, different cities, you know, to, to compete and stuff, that's a kind of an easy way to understand. Of course, if you have multivitamins, sometimes it can trick you because mm. of course you know your color would be a bit more yellowish because mm. it's the high amount of, of all these vitamins it needs to be excreted so vitamin c and uh, vitamin a which come with uh, beta carotene as well which is like the orange uh part of the carrot you know yeah. so that's given from that beta carotene so of course those colors are a bit more vivid and that's more, different just like you know, with beetroot beetroot makes your piss red so you know, this uh, kind of uh, is a different story, but at the same time, if people check their pee color from time to time, they understand how they should be. Yeah. If you go on Google and they say like uh, pee color chart or whatever, like urine chart, whatever, it I tells saw, you. I saw one is. of these charts recently in the toilet. I was uh, we were shooting in in um, just in woods, uh, the film set, and there was this toilet which was there. And as I opened the door, there was a chart for a pee. It was like if it's clear, you know, it's good. If it's get yellow, oh, you need to drink more water. If it's brown, you should see a doctor i think when it's brown it's yeah. too, probably too late yeah of course you know you're getting there and as as nutritionists and dietitians we have a stool chart as well hey no, we're gonna talk about that in a second on the third <laughs> uh third <laughs> segment let's talk about poo <laughs> how's your dancing of course your dancing is amazing that's how we met yeah do you have any preference for like specific style of dancing you just it, just depend, it depends on the mood and the music you're listening to, you know. But uh, 
You know, I'm into jazz as well. Hey. Uh, you know, I play the saxophone. No. Uh, in Italy. Are you uh, serious? Play the saxophone. Dude, you're yeah. getting more and more interesting. I wanted to get to New Orleans. New Orleans, you know, that's yeah. That's like where it all started. You yeah, know? that's where so the, uh, what they called it, uh, not the pioneers, but that, yeah. It's just... Um, home of jazz yeah. yeah depends you know they have different styles so you mm. know if you go to like california it's more like smooth jazz whatever but that's the real jazz i like in the beginning then mm. you start having a bebop and uh the big bands you know they've been in the 20s or 30s but um yeah when you have time i want to go there like for a month and just uh, how women learn. can take their yeah. hands of you man crazy Fit. well uh, if i'm playing they can't touch me i'm playing I'm hey. just, like, serious. Well, okay they can but, do other um, stuff but yeah, yeah. you know what i'm saying <laughs> wait Hey. Um, well, the first, second segment we finished with you talking about the stool. <laughs> yeah, but we, we can skip that. But uh, just just to let you know, guys, you know, there's like a stool chart as well. Yeah. That usually, dietitians uh, look at in you know if someone has like a uh, irritable bowel syndrome yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that, like some problems related to your guts and digestion, which is becoming like a very big problem now. Lately, yeah, yeah, like of course. Gut health, serious probiotics and. Uh, uh, gut uh, bacteria that you have, and to grow like healthy cultures mm. of bacteria in your in your guts, and that's a lot to do with what you're taking in, and uh, pollution affect that as well. So if we live in busy cities and stuff, it's not just about what you eat, but it's about what you breathe as well. Right, right, that right. in turn gets into your receptors, and then you start gaining weight. You start become uh, a bit more resistant as well mm. to different like uh, insulin release and all this stuff so then we got problems like later on in life like diabetes and uh, metabolic syndromes that is linked to that and some people don't even know that and they don't think of that and it's i think it's like the craziest thing that where you say like well i eat healthy i do everything right i sleep i train but because you're in that environment there's nothing you can do you're going to breathe that you know and i think i i do feel a, a bit different now since i'm not in central london anymore you know yeah uh, yeah i think what well, I, I, do I want to just think that I feel better? But I definitely felt so different when I was in in Bali for a long time, just going, you know, swimming uh, in in these uh, under the waterfall and getting this fresh air. But um, I'm sure you're doing a lot of uh, cold water swimming. I, I'm still doing I, it, I and that's that, actually man. something where we can uh, have a little chat. Um, yeah, just a chat. What I do you think? Yeah, you hate cold water. No, but I, I usually have it after my sauna. So mm -hmm. I like to balance it for the circulation as well. So hot and cold. Yeah. But just jump into a cold, you know, pond and then stay. When there. you studied in, in uni, did, did did you ever guys talked about these kind of things about sauna, about cold, like this? Uh, yeah, in terms yeah. of like most for the athletes for like they, we call it. Uh, Acclimatization. Oh, acclimatization. Like acclimatization. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of start to understand mm. how the environment is. Mm. when you go somewhere competing so that you need to get your body used to it mm. so then of course it will be less of an effort for your body to adapt so that's why a lot of people so now even uh, uh, athletes even if the end of their workouts and stuff that's mostly to recover faster yeah. as well so it's like when we used to put like, the ice packs on something where you're training you do it for the whole body so of course you know it switches off completely and then you start recovering faster and that's that's un that's understandable that's good but then uh, on the other side, I wanted. I was curious about asking you why do you do that for that long, or do you have any goals in mind? Is it mostly something that you want to do for yourself, mm. as a, a personal goal? To well, know 
the way basically uh i think the first very first time um i saw that some of the stunt guys were doing cold water swims so they would go to this lido um hampton somewhere uh, and uh temperature five six degrees they go for a swim and then you're like kind of so what's the whole deal about it then i think um i saw i i, I stumbled upon uh wimps half's concept so wimp uh, wimp is all about the 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 cold water and breathing and someone who did the everest climb with just his shorts and sandals which is fucking insane you know it's just like it's unbelievable so i kind of did some reading there and i think i just got these little piece bits and pieces of this all, all this kind of information but i think one of the ones was saying like oh if you do cold water uh, just showers it's going to improve your mood it's going to improve the way you feel so i started with cold showers and honestly straight away you can just it wakes you up it just your body feels so differently and then so I as long as you jump into a shower you just go cold that's it yeah yeah so I, I, what is i would it do is better to walk into a cold shower or just go no, no, and no. open the water no 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 the way also even wim hof he suggests like just go normal shower and then just slowly reduce reduce and go to like as cold as as you can yeah. don't go too crazy and then also you can finish again back on warm so now i, I when i wake up in the morning i just go normal shower and just go down 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 till i get totally as cold as i can uh the water is and that's how i finish shower and i just feel fucking amazing that's the so you finish with a cold yeah shower, i finish okay. with cold cold too yeah and then uh and then afterwards i was like looking into more into that then i bought i still have it uh i don't have it here in, anymore outside in the garden Tom. there's like just a big bucket of water so yeah. we just go and uh, uh, dip dip, on, in, dip in that and uh then i start swimming in thames i start swimming in thames when it was like 15 degrees which is quite warm but still if you like go for a swim it, it can it, it is quite cold and then it just got went through all the way to the winter when it was like five degrees and that's where the real bollocks you know um and um and then when i moved to bali obviously there's not an option to what swim what do you do when you come out like i know you you can take it like to an extent like you, you just only can take it this far right but then when you come out what do you have a towel or do you go warm as much as you can or yeah so the the way the way uh, what i was doing i was basically would get into um just getting outside and and do a lot of exercise they're breathing exercise and you just uh, it's uh, i'm just opening my instagram and showing some of the some of those uh, swims um but yeah you just warm warm your body up and uh, get to the point where you almost i wouldn't say almost but kind of like breaking about to break sweat yeah and that's where you're back to normal and um that was quite challenging because sometimes we would get so so cold then you're like oh my god this is too much uh so this is my bali stuff uh which i had so much fun and then it's going to be a lot of cold water so here's here's I'm doing uh high diving in in freezing water so the same thing but I'm wearing a wetsuit and the main reason I'm wearing wetsuit is cuz uh it's just uh, dangerous there's all all sorts of debris yeah here you go double back bush and that's like close to winter and uh but yeah here's go that's uh, that's with my mate Thomas 7th of November or 28th this is last year literally and a year uh, ago we're back for some more so this morning we asked a question to a guy who had this very fancy thermometer the water thingy and he said it's 5.3 degrees 5.3 celsius so let's do this how's it feel 5.3 
So there's important to get on your chest first, because yeah. like you can get like a like a heart Very problems. Important. Massage your titties for a little bit. As you can see. <laughs> no, it's it's your heart. It's your heart. <laughs> Tomaski, so that's important to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like someone who can be more uh, vulnerable, heart could actually get like uh, some problems. Yeah. So and that's that's all we did. Just go for a swim. Then afterwards we do a little run around and warm up, and then then we just go home. And uh, yeah, I, I did it for a while. But then obviously when I moved to Bali, that's not an option. So I would just um, go to sauna and do the cold baths. Oh, here's like the whole full training, what we did before just to warm up as yeah. well. And then- So it's good to go in while you're warmed up. So but be yeah. careful, don't go when you're like sweaty, sweaty, yeah. you know? Yeah. All this water I've been in Thames. And, I, br Look at my and I brought a Spanish dude with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just like yeah he, he was dying, but yeah, he, he knows very well the benefits of that as well. Um, so then, yeah, why, why you mostly do that then? Because you're asking about the benefits. I know about all the circulation stuff, but then what's the main So what I found out, first of all, definitely inflammations, really helps for inflammation. And before that, I just did cold water, so I didn't do sauna. So when I was in Bali, um, I would go, okay, sauna, and then I looked into it. So apparently it is more beneficial when you go from very hot to very cold, right? That uh, drastic change of the temperature. It's, it, your blood vessels are like a muscle. So it, it gets shrinks and then expands and shrinks and expands. It's like, it's good to, to, to do that. And, uh, and on top of it is the breathing as well. Uh, but for me, the main, main thing, I would be two, two main points. It's uh, recovering, because especially when I started doing BJJ, I was sore. Oh, my God. I was, like, to the point where I couldn't turn my neck around, and I was, like, riding a scooter, and I was, like, I need to check my shoulder, and I couldn't do it. I just turned with the entire body. Uh, so the number one is the inflammations, and number two, or whichever, both of them very important, is just the way you feel. You just feel like you're reborn. And yeah, and also kind of pushing yourself in adversity, pushing yourself to do something what is quite unpleasant and that, that, that trains your body and your mind. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is it raining? Yeah, so good that you didn't yeah, ride on the bike it. here. I told you. I almost wanted to come here on a bike. There yeah. you go. We're in England. So, yeah. Okay, so yeah, what we were talking about there. Okay, book. We're going to talk about your book. Uh, there's uh, you have the whole thing my, called my book. I also found it on uh, uh, on Amazon. Yeah, that's good. That's worldwide. Yeah, and it costs twenty three dollars. Kindle five dollars. Yeah, don't go cheap on six, Kindle, guys. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, good to have it because it's something that you can give to your friends. As a and kid, you have you it know, here. Can you just show it to camera? Oh, I feel like I'm Joe Rogan totally. Like <laughs> no, it's like, yeah, show your book. It's fucking awesome. Okay, tell me how the idea uh, was born to uh, to have your book. And uh, when, when did this happen? How old? Uh, how long has it been out now? So I launched it on uh, my birthday, the 11th of June, the Italian version. And then it got out on July 20th for the mm -hmm. English version. So I wrote it in Italian first, but uh, I did it over lockdown. It was, it's been a while since I wanted to write a book. But I never got the time, the physical time of doing it. And so now we had so much time. Lockdown was good because lockdown pushed me to uh, finish my master's degree. I launched my app for my online coaching stuff as well. I launched my book, so it was very productive. But wow. now no more, no more lockdowns because I'm still I'm still busy. But I wanted to create, let's say, something in lockdown that was giving me other streams of income when yeah. I was going out of lockdown. 
living my normal life again. So I'm still doing what I was doing before, but now I got some extra things, putting in money and you know getting in more work. The the thing with the the book is that basically I'm teaching people how to be a professional mm. into the fitness industry. So how to become a professional fitness model. Mm. And uh, I I could have done this on YouTube and do maybe ten videos as a series to understand to 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 teach that. But firstly, why do it for free? And secondly, it's something that I gain over the years. I've been doing this for ten years now, and I I I actually always thought that you know reading and getting a book out is something that will always be there. So YouTube can shut tomorrow, right? But a book, it will always be a book. Secondly, you have a different status because you are an author now and every time, everything I will do in the future, people will go back and look at my book. And my uncle is, um, is a writer as well. Oh, He's wow. in America, he's been a writer for like 20 years and uh, he wrote some books maybe 10, 15 years ago and he's still selling, you know, a couple, you know, maybe 10 copies a week or whatever. So this is what you can do having a book because of course it's always something there that tells something about yourself and tells something to people that you want to tell them so this is uh what i wish i had known when i started my career that's how i put it right because yeah. i started and i kind of went my way through the fitness industry and uh, for 10 years i was able to only do this for a living mm. and as training is my biggest passion I was able to monetize on that. And I always tell people, listen, a lot of people are just chasing the money a lot of times. they jealous of people making a lot of money. Oh, he's a lawyer. Oh, he's a banker. He's making 20 million a year, making a million a year. And uh, yeah, but what if he works like 20 hours a day in the office? And what if he's unhappy? And what if he's had issues happy. with his family and all those things? He yeah. can't see his kids growing up, whatever. Yeah. Like he goes home and he's like still pissed off from work, whatever. I prefer doing maybe half of what he's doing and just live the life I want to live and people are slowly understanding this even now after all this lockdown and stuff things can change in a second and you're just chasing something that you thought it was secure and safe and they can actually let you go tomorrow and mm. so you better like enjoy what you're doing like you're doing you know awesome things you know around the world and uh, this is all memories that you're actually building and creating and this is something that cannot come back and uh <laughs> but uh I always live like my life like this, but of course you always need to be to have a safe plan. Like I told you before, you know I have my education and stuff that I can fall back on. So of course you know it's time to you know work as well. It's not just for fun for the sake of fun, but it's fun like in a controlled fun. You take controlled risks in your life, and you understand like like you told me before, you moved out here instead of London, whatever. Like it brought you benefits, but at the same time you took risks. Like, mm. you know, when you left your coaching and teaching just to do to, to do acting or whatever, and then you'd risk not to have any jobs and money coming in. So you, it's it's it can, it's kind of a process, but you always believe in yourself and mm. know what you're worth and know your skills and know what you can offer. So I always thought that I have my image and I have my, you know, professional career as a fitness model, whatever, and I always thought and I was confident that I can't be that guy. So then now after 10 years, looking back, I traveled the whole world, you know, I ended up from Vegas to Sydney to Singapore to Mexico to everywhere. And I did a lot of things that uh, were possible because of my passion, being a fitness model. And I basically got paid all this time to train and be in shape. And this is what I always wanted to do anyway, but I prefer to get paid for that. And don't do anything else. So if you send me tomorrow to send to sell furniture, I wouldn't sell any because I don't feel it. And a lot of people feel people 
feel when someone is there just for the money. So if I talk to someone who is in their career or job just for the money, I don't trust him. It's not genuine enough. Where when I talk about my thing and I travel and uh, training and gym and diet, whatever, I'm so passionate that these people are hooked into shit. You know, this guy knows. <laughs> and people go like this all the time, man. When I just, well, when I take a shirt off, they go like that. But, uh, hey, yeah. Or, you know, and when I put my shirt on, they go, that's it, you know? <laughs> so I get that all the time. But uh, the idea for the book was, okay, I, I've been at it for so long and uh, I actually look back at who I was when I started. And I was 18, I was going to New York. I was going to New York by myself. Uh, when I was 18, I was uh, there uh, studying English in the morning and I was being a waiter in an Italian restaurant oh, at night shit. just to get some tips you know, they got to get, some to get you, through. They got some serious and, sexy uh, waiters you know, down there. So oh, shit. There was an Italian restaurant, whatever, and uh, I was going to the gym, you know, from time to time and start getting into the kind of bodybuilding thing and understand some bit, uh, some bits and pieces, you know, from, from the sport. And I was coming back after three months on holiday. I was the king, you know, in Italy because, you know, all this stuff. And now I know that a lot of guys want to start somewhere. But if you look on social media, it can be like overwhelming because, of course, they don't know where to start. Mm. And as you said before, they see all these huge guys and uh, they see all these big likes and pictures or whatever, which most of them are fake and, you know, and uh, with a lot of like filters and shit like that. But this can actually knock of their confidence of these like 18 years old guys that maybe you know 17 16 they're approaching the sport and they want to actually do it in a nice way to actually be able to earn some money from what they want to do but if they only see these examples out there they're wrong they might actually think they will never be able to make it mm. or they take the shortcuts like we did before we, we said before about illegal stuff and mm. everything that is not the main focus they need to understand that you know in my book here, I just um, talk a lot about the steps to follow to become a professional fitness model. So it's not just about the body, but you know, if you look back here, it's like how to become your own manager and lay solid foundation for your future. That's mm. what I'm saying here because I'm earning all this money with fitness, but I'm already thinking about, as I told you before, investing into real estate, investing into uh, stocks, investing into opening other businesses. I can open my own clinic. I had some ideas before of opening uh, some gyms with some uh, investors or a restaurant, whatever. Everything that involves your passion, you can actually fund this with your passion, which is fitness now, and then you take it to the next level. Mm. But if you're just here for a nice ride, then your body goes and your you know your look goes. And as we said before, in the fitness industry, I saw a lot of people dying out yeah, yeah. of things and they had a lot of potential, but they didn't use it wisely. And mm. so then I'm teaching people how to uh, get sponsors as well. Mm. So then, you know, there's one key as well to get there and be able to do, to live your passion with other people like supporting that on how to create a successful personal brand. So how to brand the whole thing. So, you know, you're not just someone training at the gym, you are your own brand and you're yeah. selling yourself when you go around with companies. And then I, I, I sell people how to um, have the correct social media approach Basically as well. Basically how to work on your marketing. So how Mostly to- Mostly it's like, it's, it's an overall 360 degrees of mm. how you, you can uh, 
um, build up yourself That's as a awesome, brand man. into the fitness. And what, is, what about people who are would not, they don't want to be fitness models or they don't want to be there? What can the normal people or someone who has a passion in something else, what can they take from this book? Well, this is very interesting because uh, the same the same way I, I love, like, one of my, like some of my favorite books are uh, biographies. Because, of course, I love reading biographies. You too? I love it. Listen, when I, just when I moved to Canada, and also, like, I was in this point where I have no idea what I want to do with my life. I literally, I was doing door-to-door sales. I would go from house to house selling cable television. And this one day, I remember, I saw this couple near Christmas. They're sitting in a house, cuddling in a, in a couch in a Christmas tree. I'm not kidding. I was standing outside, minus 25, 30 degrees, and I was crying. Because, like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? What is going on? And that was the time when I was, like, starting asking these questions. So, wh- who I want to be, what I want to want to do and one of the things i figured out if i see someone like jim carrey uh, uh like uh, any any you know big people you and you look up to them and you you love what they do i was like one of the things what to do is to see what is their journey and learn from it and you know and most of these celebrities and most of the people who are doing very well like jay leno who was uh, considered to be one of the unfunniest comedians and end up having his own late night show you know those guys were grinding and just doing their thing till it just happened you know and um it's just it's not going to be like oh my god you're so talented so you're going to succeed yeah. most of the time when people are very very talented if they don't know there's no consistency that's what we're talking about me and rowan and he's like he one of the quotes he said something with the if there's no consistency then the goal is just a saying or so there's no point for it just a wish yeah yeah exactly that's the wish that's the one that's that's what rowan said and um um so going to that point is um oh god i just went so far away um to figure out and to oh yeah so talking about biographies like it's a very great way to learn and to figure out what could be your journey it can it can motivate you in a way because you say oh this guy made it this way mm. so then you know let's let's go at it now i was i was coming in on the train and i was reading a book about the founder of uh, my protein and my protein is a company you know it's like one of the most successful mm. online um sports nutrition brands in the world and i worked with them for four and a half years in the beginning i was the face of the italian market and stuff so i had a good relationship with all of them but the guy who founded this he started with a 500 pound budget mm. and he sold it for 350 millions so you understand how these people are doing things from normal or humble beginnings that's why it's interesting to know all of that so i i I like to learn about the owner of nike about the owner of alibaba and amazon and Mm. all of this but because you see the end products but then you don't know how they got there so this is almost a biography but it's something where i i take like some i break down some specific steps on how to live with your passion in general. Mm. So if someone is more open-minded than just the, the normal reader saying, oh, let's see how to get sponsors, how to have a photo shoot. If you're kind of an open-minded reader and understand how to translate that into your own experience or your own uh, circumstances, then you understand how you can make your passion work. So if I'm talking about approaching a company, of course, someone is into photography or someone is into cooking, you can understand how to approach a company yeah in their own sort of like sector or their own industry. It's not just, hey, I want to approach a supplement company. I talk about my companies, but people can read this even if they're not into fitness, but they want to really make a living out of what they're passionate about. 
you know perfect so, so this book is not only for fitness ma maniacs this is for anyone and everyone who wants to do, succeed and do something different so tips to live with your passion and travel the world that's the title right yeah that's become uh, a professional fitness model that's the title sorry that's the title <laughs> oh, it's bigger so you, you can see it first i like that italian fitness model in the world there see, you go first it's number one yeah, yeah. Because, you, you know, that, that's another good thing that, you know, I'm kind of proud of because there's very few people in Italy have, have done my bodybuilding or whatever, but in terms of fitness, I'm really recognized internationally yeah. as Italian. It's like for you, if I go to Latvia and well, I ask listen, about listen, you. Listen, I just want to say I'm the only Latvian stunt performer on a British stunt register. You see? Yeah. So hey, it makes wait, it proud. Wait, wait, Let's wait, go. Wait. That's, that's what we're it, talking about. You know? Or maybe the only <laughs> Latvian who left Latvia. <laughs> but the thing is, like, and also, like, yeah. it's awesome that we're talking about Latvian, Italian stuff. And I love when you said that I'd rather be, well, you didn't say that, but you, um, what my mantra is I'd rather be a small fish in a big pond than a big fish in a small pond. You just said, like, you didn't want to be a, sm a big fish in a small pond. So, <laughs> but obviously, now you are a pretty decent sized fish in a big pond, which is awesome. And, and like, I just, uh, I remember in Latvia, I got scared very quickly. To be uh, that I saw that I was big fish because I was uh, emceeing events and parties like I love being on the stage and and now I'm pushing myself and getting into stand up comedy which I fucking love uh, doing podcasts which I fucking love as well um, but and and back in the days I kind of didn't see that but um, yeah in Latvia I saw straight in three four years I was hosting up to like one two thousand people events so like big sporting days whatever and I was like ten years from now that's where I'm going to be. There's yeah, not much to grow. Yeah. So that's that's what I said to myself. And then I start b creating that idea in my head. I need to get the fuck out of here. And Latvia, listen, Italy is like, what, 60 million? Latvia is less than 2 million. That's like a little town in Italy somewhere. And are you the only Latvian that lives in... Uh, Bri Bri yeah, what's uh, the name of this place? Oh, Bracknell. Bracknell. <laughs> are, are you the only Latvian lives here? I'm pretty sure there's a lot there's of Latvians. Another, go, you no, have, no, 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 no. I'm pretty you sure. You can put it on your Dude, book. I go to the store and I see a lot of Latvian products there. I oh, buy, shit. Yeah, I get the yogurt. They have amazing yogurt. It's Latvian. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're Latvian people here as well. <laughs> so I'm not that special. But uh, yeah, no, there's, uh, there's another you know uh, story that I remember now. I used to live in Mexico for for uh, a couple of months, you know, mm. some, some years back. And uh, I got there because they, they called me there as a trainer. And they flew me out there. They're like, oh, this is a gym where you'll be working at. So just to tell you how to get your mind working and know your value and uh, how to find a way of doing things, you know, better or maybe mm. uh, starting from something, but actually getting to where you want to be. So I got there, got an interview with the gym in uh, Mexico. And of course, I speak fluent Spanish as well. So that, that was Italian, a, like a Spanish class. and a yeah, little bit of English, yeah, a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit. And uh, I was learning some Mandarin Chinese as well. Oh, nice. Uh, a couple of years ago, because I was there for Fashion Week. Uh, and an agency was pushing me there as an athlete and as a nutritionist. And then COVID started. And I said, well, I'm, I'm not going there for a while, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> but it's good. I was at a party last week. And I just say, hey, how you doing? My name is whatever. What's the name? In Chinese, you know, to uh, That's awesome. a girl from Hong Kong. And she's like, so impressed. Of course, it's a girl. It's not a guy from Hong Kong. <laughs> no, I wouldn't bother. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, so I was in Mexico. I did this interview interview and they're like so okay you can be a trainer here you know you can train your clients or whatever you can uh, uh, we can advertise you at the gym and so basically the comparison with the value that you get in terms for hour with their currency and stuff was like one pound fifty an hour something like that and it's jackpot <laughs> to all due respect you know i never like 
shit or any or spit or any job or whatever is out there because of course any job is like valuable for what yeah. you do and what you need for but at the same time for me coming from the other side of the world when we have a different uh, sort of like way of living and uh, standard of living if i'm coming here a couple of months during my summer i prefer a better off not working and exploring the place and making it work because i can get some more opportunities but what if we do this listen i come here i have my degree in nutrition i do this i do that i lead seminars all over the world you know already with my um companies why don't we actually start having like a weekend seminar a weekly course on how to eat better or train healthier or mm. whatever and this guy was uh, so interested because all these previous trainers were there just to be a trainer mm. and then get some extra money and go around mexico but to me, I was there to making it in a different level, and a different level. I say, listen, why do I come here and just be one or the others? You know, what kind of uh, mark do I live in here? Yeah, yeah. So then we started doing like uh, Saturdays uh, classes or whatever, and the deal was that I was getting all the money that people were paying to get to get into the seminars because eventually these people were becoming uh, members for the gym. So then we started and we got like 10, 15, 20, 50 people, whatever. Then we started out running people like almost 100 people. And uh, it's not like a, a major city, but it was quite like a, a big size city. So then people started to know me and know the gym or whatever. So the guy was happy and I was making s way more money than just like, mm. like 150 an hour. And then after that, I know I knew some people coming at the gym and they're like, oh, why don't you come on my program? Because I'm a yoga instructor and I do like a weekly session on uh, national TV. And national TV in Mexico, we're talking about X amount of millions of people yeah, watching. It's huge. And it's like, you can come over there and talk about nutrition. You talk, you know, you speak your Spanish or whatever. You talk about like hot topics in nutrition. Say, so, great. So took me on TV and I started working on TV there every week talking about nutrition and going like internet, like nationally. That is crazy. And then from there, someone called me and they say, oh, let, let's do a, a, a radio show as well. Who's called uh, Mango Maduros, which in, uh, in, uh, in English is called like Riped uh, Mangoes. Yeah, right, right, mango. Right, mangoes. That's that's, oh, that's the name of the thing. So we'll do like a couple of hours of a radio show there live, and they were sending like messages straight through when WhatsApp to us like four people and so to the nutritionist they could ask anything and i would respond live while they're going to work or whatever on their radio show and most of the messages were coming in were like pictures like a girls or whatever say oh, oh. i want to see the italian because we're actually on live tv as well so it's like what we're doing now but we're on live tv in mexico and on the radio because the radio show was actually broadcasted on tv and uh yeah and so that that was a fun experience but then after that I oh there was another thing as well because I hooked up with some uh, clubs there and as I already got my background with clubs and events when you said hooked up I was like what who is he who yeah you know they, <laughs> <laughs> they hooked me up with that <laughs> and uh, as I had that kind of experience from Ibiza and Spain and Italy and everywhere you know where the parties were actually a thing I went there and I had some meetings with the owner of these clubs and I said listen I can bring you something that you've never seen before like we're promoting the clubs we're going to the main square we're getting people in whatever and I ended up managing three clubs and 30 different uh, performers and dancers in three clubs every single night what? Thursday to, to Saturday and Sunday and I was getting more money than the manager but nobody knew that because the, the owner was, was having a good Shit. deal with me and then after that I just did it all because I was there for like a couple of months. I, I ended up on TV managing the clubs or whatever. And, say, and then I said, as you said, what else? Like what's next? So then yeah. I changed all my money from pesos to dollars and I went to LA and, and see you later. And then I, it was the first time I went to LA. And um, from there, I, every year I started spending six months a year in LA. And uh, eventually I would like to go back, you know, now after all this uh, thing. Yeah. And uh, 
yeah, that's how that's how I live my life. That's, that's how it goes. But you know, it shows you how you can create something yeah. for, with what you have. Yeah. My friend says uh, there's expression. It doesn't matter, Renars, where you're going to be thrown in. It could be jungle, but you're going to get out with a chinchilla coat on your shoulders. Yeah, because like that's the very similar again in Bali. How many people actually go uh, do stuff what I done and like and and I end up being so busy in Bali. I would be getting on my scooter in the morning, uh, surfboard, full bag with stuff. So I'd go surfing straight away, BJJ, then straight away. Um, uh, all the saunas, whatever. Then come home, do do a little bit of nap and a big watermelon, and then I and then I read and and write my comedy, and then do comedy show. And then it was like I was so busy. I've never been that busy. Um, and the, you know when I was kind of moved to London as well. Like so, where do you go now? So oh, okay, find that club, go find those people, and start doing it. But that's just like type of people we are. We just we can't sit still. But the Mexican story, man, is crazy. I, I, again, <laughs> I, that's why you I'm doing that, this that, just that, to find that kind of stuff. Out. Out. Yeah, of course. That is insane listen this is the third segment so we've done an hour and a half together we're gonna do one more segment and we'll be back in a minute hey. all together there you go and we are back this is our fourth uh, probably the last segment and we talked about a lot of cool stuff. And I think, uh, Diego, you're one of those who we can just literally talk till to, till the morning if we have enough, enough energy. Thank God I don't, have, I don't have a podcast. Hey! So what, um, you said you don't like beer. Do you, do you drink any alcohol? Do you consume any alcohol? Yeah, I like mostly wine if I'm having a good dinner, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never go out for the sake of drinking, like, oh, God, let's get mad. Smash. No, no, no. Because no, no. I was always like an no. athlete since the beginning. So even growing up, when I was... 15, 16, whatever, you know, your your friends starting to drink and just to show off. Yeah. Where I was only, I was always like the sports guy there. Mm. And so I never had any peer pressure from the outside because they always respected me. And I'm always glad for that as well. And they always uh, they also knew that you can mess them up if yeah, they fuck so, around. You know, but I've always <laughs> been a kind of a good guy. I always got respected, so I never had to. I think like when also I met you you were just like have this crazy thing about you just smiling all the time it feels like you're just so happy always I don't think I ever I don't I don't think I ever seen you pissed off because I don't give a fuck yeah probably the most pissed off I've seen you so far in my life was when you were saying like it has to be competitive if you play volleyball you play to win yeah that's that's when I get pissed off because you know I have to I have to win dude like we definitely have to get uh, do some sport together Uh, to be honest like the uh, David Lloyd's uh, spa where I go there's a huge tennis court Okay. Do you so, play tennis? Uh, well, I played a little bit. Uh, one of the girls. Well, practice s- that. I don't want to waste time. Yeah. Uh, oh shit. Piss me off. If I go playing with you, you, you have to tell me. You have to be straight from the beginning. Listen, I don't know how to play. So then I have in my mind already that I'm teaching you something, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. if I teach you, no, I'm actually no, no. I have no okay, patience. Okay, okay, I have okay, patience. I but if I if I don't get the ball return, then I started like being pissed off. If someone says to me, "I'm good." And it's not good. That yes, I oh, you could have told me before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I come with a different oh, I'm mentality. Sa- I'm telling you straight away. But listen, let, let's have a deal. Um, you come to Bali to visit me at some point, and uh, they have a lot of tennis courts there and stuff. Yeah. So I'm gonna start practicing there. Yeah. That's good. There you go. Tennis, tennis, yeah. Or we can play football. At least yeah. I, I was. At least we're good. I was in my high school team as a. We in the same striker. team then. Were you striker? What was your position? Yeah, I'm forward. Forward, yeah. Or I was, left, I was left center, forward. F- center forward. Because I'm a left foot, left-handed. Oh, yeah, you're lefty. <laughs> no, it's a crea- creative people. Like of the, course. Yeah. I love it. If you, if you watch like all the uh, people in history, they're lefty. You yeah. know, there's so many like inventors and yeah, my uh, mom, artists. Yeah, my mom, she's stuff. a lefty. Yeah, also a very See? creative writer and stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a funny story about 
American um, presidents mm. that most of them they've been lefty, right? And people that are not lefty, they're right-handed. When they uh, sign like big papers and stuff, you know, in history, that they know that that picture will go in history, they sign with the left hand mm. just to show that they were writing with the left no. hand. Yeah, there's like a really funny story, but uh, it's interesting. That's an interesting fact. Very interesting fact. And it like, Trump was signing everything with his left. <laughs> he can't sign. <laughs> <laughs> Those hands are too small to handle any pen. Yeah. But uh, apparently that's uh, not true. Uh, Trump's hands are pretty decent size. <laughs> Just people taking a piss. <laughs> and um, America. So how do you see yourself in the future? Uh, mm. Do you see yourself still like traveling, having bases in different places? Um, I always kept London as a base. Uh, you know, I, I just been away for three months. You know, and I just came back, literally like last week. Mm. And that's when you when you text me because you know I'll be gone soon as well. So yeah. you know it was good to get me for the for the podcast. But um, yeah, for now, as I said, I'm 29. You know, I got good energy. You know, to do things I want to do. And as I said before, there's only certain things you can do now. Before, not even for your physique or your strength or whatever, because you know if you kind of keep active and you keep young let's say you know you, mm. you you can do it for a long time it's mostly about when you don't have any other responsibilities that you yeah. can do things so if you start having a kid or family or whatever then yo you're really thinking twice about what you do the same in you know is goes for maybe being in a relationship whatever if you into a relationship and then you start having like big um opportunities let's mm -hmm. say for work then you you start thinking twice about if taking them or not. Yeah. So let's say, you know, they call you tomorrow, hey, Renner, can you come to uh, Canada to for your podcast, you know, for a year? And you can just take and go. Where if you start having someone, you start um, thinking, oh, yeah. can yeah, she yeah. come? Is she sad? Does she have a visa? Oh, can I stay with her first? And maybe I go yeah, next she's year. She's going to annoy me while she's yes, there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. But that's an extra pay. Like, uh, they all do that anyway. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like, of course, you know, you have to, do things while why why you can and uh you know other people will take the chances and uh that's it you left out and uh you know that's how you need to be competitive but you have to follow what you think is right to do and, yeah follow uh, your gut you know follow, of, definitely. of course he always, always tells you the truth i think you know when you have someone in front of you as well you definitely you know know straight away as well yeah how they are with that feeling that they give you and if someone doesn't give you a good feeling a good vibe for as much as they try, then this is always on the back of your mind, like something's not wrong, yeah. not right with this person. Mm -hmm. or, I don't know. It's just uh, how you feel, people. So and are you, are you feeling like you're gonna have family, a lot of lot of kids? Yeah, how eventually. Many? Not a lot. I don't know. Uh, Six. It depends. Like uh, a big how, Italian how family. I perform. I don't know. How <laughs> 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 you gonna perform? So you know, you can't you can't really predict this stuff. Yeah, but, here's uh, I'm showing the message where I was asking uh, Diego, like, what are your three books and three films? So one of the books I was like. Become a professional fitness model by Diego Sessi. So that's that's the, the first list. one. But the uh, uh, subtle art of not giving a fuck. And you're the second person, as I told you, um, yeah. uh, Jamie, uh, a good good pal of mine for uh, in Bali. So he's uh, he's Australian. He travels around. He he suggested the same book, and that's definitely a great book to read. To um, you know, as we discussed this on the car in the car on the way here. So give me your kind of couple ideas, like why you think this is one of the best books there. I guess because, well, firstly, like, it's uh, it's an easy reading that goes straight to the point. That's why I like him. That's why I, I, I wrote my book as well. Like, if I need to tell you something, I go straight to the point and tell you why you should or shouldn't do something. Mm -hmm. So this guy basically, you know, is saying something very important. Say, usually people are so stressed about trying to impress 
people that in five years time would you wouldn't even be there yeah. or you know people these people don't even know you or care about you and you're trying to impress them to do everything you can so you waste a lot of energy money time anything involved with it so it's saying like a good thing there and secondly as we were saying in the car is that society now tends to uh push everyone Mm. in a positive way like you said before you know the, the girl that wasn't catching the ball or whatever and people try to push her well you should be like tough with these people and uh, and be straight and say listen you know you can catch the ball so you you, you didn't try harder it's not your thing and mm. this, is, this is how it should be and it's not like to put people down bring people down whatever but not everyone can do everything yeah so we're back and um, I ran out of space in my camera so we are back and Diego is posting something on social media, just saying how how much fun time we're having here. Um, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Uh, this is one of the we're just talking about this book, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. It's really good read. Everyone, check this out. Uh, then the principles of success. I'm kind of pretty sure uh, I know what it's about. Yeah, well, I guess so. <laughs> like my book is the same. Exactly. Kind of and everything goes back back to your book. Uh, films. You chose Scarface. Insanely cool, bu- uh, cool, cool film. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's about the crazy Italians. <laughs> of course. Uh, no, uh, Scarface. It wasn't. They, they were not from Italy. The guy was coming from Cuba. Cuba. Yeah, where the Godfather is from um, Italy, but yep. uh, he was coming from Cuba, where um, they were jumping into the states. You know, because of course they wanted a better life and a better future, and of course they were ended up in the legal world because there was the easier uh, way for, for them to do. Yeah. And uh, there was a way to the top. And then, of course, they need to pay the price for what they do. So it's it's interesting. I like this. But if you look at a perspective of what we were saying before, someone from here can get there if he really wants it and he works for it. And, and also, course, do you... you know, do I'm not you justifying him. I, what do you think about the expression uh, immigrant mentality? Why is that? Uh, well, it... That's what I understand. Immigrant mentality is when you go to anywhere you go, uh, different country, you always going to try much harder yeah. than the people from actually that area and from that region. There was this uh, quote around the internet saying, oh, if you're complaining about someone with, I don't know, no language, no contacts, no skills, whatever, steals your job, then you need to work harder. So that's good because some people, you know, in their own countries, they always complain about too many immigrants or whatever. But usually these immigrants, they come in and they end up having maybe better jobs, better positions. They work harder because they improve their language and they improve their networking. Otherwise, you know, they'd be alone. Mm-hmm. Where if you live, born and live in a city or in a, in, a, in a country, you don't feel like you have to push yourself much because you feel like at home and you feel like people own you something. Mm. You know? So I love this, man. I love the immigrant mentality thing. I look, look but it's it's like that. different points to, to look at it. Like, because for me again, um, I moved away from Latvia not because I was not happy. I think Latvia would be fine to live there and to have my family. But I just wanted more. I just wanted more of that different experience. And I always compare this. Imagine if you live just next to two stores. One is super huge supermarket, which has all sorts of different uh, ten types of bread and milk and all that stuff. And there's another one, little like a mu- mu- small little shop. The only difference would be that to the big supermarket, you need to walk a little bit further. So which one are you going to go? 
And there's so many people going to rather settle to something what is closer and easier. It's their comfort zone and so that. But some people know, and like, I definitely know that I'm one of them who just going to go till the end of the world. And I usually say that I rather try all my life instead of just kind of, you know, sit yeah. with, with whatever is given. Or die trying. Yeah, or die trying. trying. Exactly. That's yeah. the try die trying. Uh, Crash, it's a really good film. Isn't it? I love it. It's insane. It's such like a three or four times a year. You know, it's, uh, it's very, very interesting how the all the stories yeah. connect, interconnect. But the soundtrack, everything is amazing, man, about the movie. And when that uh, police officer was saving that black woman in a burning car, what what exactly happened? They had some kind of altercation before that. He did something to her husband. What was the deal? Yeah, I think no, I, I think he kind of molested her. Uh, I think and then assaulted you know, the yeah. story about the husband or whatever, like sexually assaulted her. And then she they were like too um scared of uh reporting them because of course they were black and stuff. So it was all these like tensions that you feel as an immigrant in some other mm. countries. So sometimes you don't think you're actually in a position to do mm. something if that's not your home country, because of course they will always win. Mm. And so this shows you how all these different people from different backgrounds and lives interconnects in a big city like LA. And uh, LA, you know, and, and Crash as well, it, it comes from the name where like, is like a physical contact. So Crash like crashing into each other. And they say that usually these people live such a, sad or lonely life or whatever they, they go on for their day which is like almost always the same and they crave this um, physical contact for whatever it is so these people would love as well to have crash to crash into something mm. or someone to actually have a twist to their lives because it goes like flat and they just keep living like they they just like have nothing else they need some kind do. of like almost yeah, opening so like need, waking yeah. them up and here's that 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 is that black woman with uh um with that uh, act well the actors so that was the he, he just saved her from there that. was another there was another movie uh you know collateral with tom cruise when collateral tom cruise has yeah. like gray hair yeah. but anyway they were talking and whatever and they were like on uh on the subway in uh in la and they're like if someone dies here how long do you think it takes them to realize it's dead. Mm. Because, you know, you, you think about that. Even in a big city like London, nobody cares about you. You go for your day, whatever. If someone, like, just have, like, a heart attack and dies there in the mm. tube, how long does it take for people to realize it's dead? And I think the or first thing what it's going to be is just uh, the, the someone who is in charge of cleaning, yeah, clearing. Yeah, of course, because everyone left. Everyone left the carriage. But usually in big cities, they keep going around, so they never, like, stop. Not like in London, like in LA or in New York. They go 24 hours. Mm. So that was, like, an interesting thing if you're looking at it from the right way, you know, and say, oh shit, that, that's, that's real. You know, that's why big cities sometimes they might be like so lonely, they can be so lonely uh, for people. And that's why, you know, we have all these like high increase in suicides and all of that. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and you feel, oh, you're there with 10 million people, you know, how can you feel alone? Yeah, of course, you feel like more alone than when you're home, you know, in your little village. And have country. you heard of the book Tribe? No. Tribe, that's a, that's a really good read. And they, I heard they, of it, but I never... I'm yeah, they idea. do talk about uh, that idea that uh, we are not designed, humans in general, to be in such a huge groups of people. That we are more designed, like when we, back in the days, when we used to be like in little kind of uh, villages or these places, and then 
um, just that idea that uh, it's it's uh, it's kind of unhealthy. It takes away from responsibility. Let's say if you avoiding tax in a big country in a big like there are million and million of people, no one is going to give a fuck, and no one is probably going to find out about it. If you avoiding a tax in a smaller like let's say it's only thirty people, and someone will find out, oh Diego is not paying for us to have this road, but yeah. he's using this road. You're going to have totally different responsibility and feeling towards other thirty people who you know face to face but if you don't know see their faces or don't know them personally you have no sense of responsibility towards them just like when they use drones to kill people right if i don't see the face and i'm just sitting there on my computer and i'm killing people i don't have that same feeling when i'm pointing them with a gun and stuff like that so yeah that's interesting man that's kind of concept that we are not designed to live in such a huge huge groups of people um that is, uh, that is probably another t- thing to look into. And then uh, I asked you about people. You said Obama, Greg Plitt, yeah, which well, is, uh, and Frank Sinatra. Yeah. So Obama, well, just give it a... You know who he is. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I've heard of, heard of him a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> no, th- it's mostly about, uh, in terms of like, uh, I never go into politics or whatever. I'm not like really into politics and stuff, mostly because I believe that it's very hard to change a system that mm. you know goes like one way and people will always... Uh, kind of complain about how things are run, how things are done, and how people uh, think, you know? Yeah. And they always think they can do better, and then, then if they get a chance to get there, of course they do the same. That's how it goes. So I'm a firm believer of if you don't like the system you're in, you can always change the city or the system that you're in instead of like waiting for it to change because it will take ages and it will almost always be the same, right? That's, this, is, this is how it goes. Um, I'm not saying that I'm not patriotic or whatever, but I'm saying that I have like very uh, a very limited time on this planet that I have to actually seek the uh, best uh, option for me. Mm, right. Mm. So I like Obama mostly from the uh, personality that he has and the way that he can motivate people. And uh, I'm a firm like interested, like I'm always interested in uh, public speaking. Public stuff. speaking, and, uh, hey. I love it. And uh, I've, I've been doing like some uh, NLP courses and stuff before. Yeah. But uh, I Neuro-linguistic processing is now... Neuro-linguistic like processing, programming. Programming, yeah. Yeah, that's So one. this is what a lot of politicians and, and mm. people that need to influence other people use because it's the way you use some words and uh, specific words and you understand what type of person you have in front of you. If they care more about hearing or... Uh, they're more visual or they're more, um, how do you say that? So it's like when to touch. So someone like, just like kids when they learn, someone needs to hear it, someone needs to see it, someone needs to touch it. Yeah, touch it like So it's uh, a yeah. tentacle, no, tent, oh fuck, what was the name? The two immigrants are having a podcast. Yeah, you see? <laughs> no, it's, not, it's not like, Tactiles or whatever. Tact- no, okay. it's something different with I with a K. Like in it, it was most like kinesiologist or whatever. Something in there, but we we, we find that out. But uh, once you understand uh, what what like drives that person or what like the triggers uh, yeah. some emotions in that person, then you actually pushing that when you're talking to them to make them do what mm. you would like to do. So it's kind of almost manipulating people. And I I've been reading so many books about the psychology of selling. Uh, persuasion and all these kind of things but not to influence people to to my likeness but it's how you deal with people how you deal with and people and if yeah. you use your word as well to 
to sell yourself and to be into a competitive world, you know, and into the uh, business uh, sector as well, you have to know how to present yourself, how to promote yourself, and how to deal with people that are from different backgrounds. So they're not all the same. But they tend to go down to some type of yeah. people that you understand how they act and how they behave, you know. And so when you talk to them, you understand if someone is not kind of more proud of themselves, you need to put them forward, you need mm. to put them in the spotlight and understand how you uh, give them like more importance or other people that were shyer than you actually come out as a point of authority. All these kind of things are mm. interesting. But I like Obama or, or all politicians in history to what the speeches that they make to drive people to do something. So before social medias or whatever, you know, you, you, you can actually, starting from the beginning of uh, the Bible and all of that, you know, like religions, how religions can actually move countries to fight against each other for something that is kind of apparently and it still there. Does. And, and it still does. you can't see it. You know, it's not real, but it's something that people believe it is and they still kill each other and it all for started, someone. And it all started with the charismatic speakers, someone who would convince them that there is a hell, there is a heaven, then if you're going to do this, you're going to get there or there. But um, talking about public speaking, have you ever looked into uh, Toastmasters? Yeah, I used to be part of some... Hey, some I've done ten, groups, about yeah. 10 years Toastmasters. Yeah. I started in Canada, started in Saskatoon, then moved to London and uh, did there for a while. That's a good That's a good way of you know meeting people and yeah. knowing people and getting out there. Exactly. Uh, and, and have a good principle of a public people speaking. People there with different... Uh, different ideas or different uh, things that they need to fix. Uh, I've never been scared of like speaking in front of people, mm. but it was mostly about being more uh, fluent to uh, when you want to articulate um, a thought, you know, yep. that it's in your head. And sometimes, you know, to, to get it out there, you've, you might would like to need some more vocabulary uh, maybe have it in reach of vocabulary so once you get there they give you like the word of the day as well yay word of the day the you, you know, know that if shit you, if you do that you get more points all, all, all the all the, all the uh, um, public speakers or the Toastmasters they know about word of the day what does it mean to be grammarian what is to be timekeeper yeah. yeah what's to be evaluator with the speaker um, no it's it's a lot Hello of Toastmasters it's a lot uh, of fun time and I actually what had one of the uh, my guests um uh, he he's a very well known speaker, and uh, we met in Toastmaster Club. So uh, anyone who wants to improve their uh, presenting skills, and again, it's not about the language. Very often, there's English speakers who stutter or being too fast uh, with the, trying to explain themselves, and and um, eye contact, uh, how you deal with um, with body, body language, language yeah. uh, with how you being on the stage, because very often people stay in one spot and just look at two people in front and then don't engage with yeah. everyone else. So yeah, Toastmasters, that's awesome. And awesome that got it. me all, that's why the uh, last book I told you about uh, the principles of success is uh, a book by Brian Tracy, mm -hmm. who's like a very knowledgeable guy who uh, created his multi-million uh, copies um, book series called uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I it's, love uh, that. It's very interesting because it was bringing all these like uh, motivating and successful stories mm. to people from like normal real life stories that they were inspiring people. Yeah. And, th and then this guy went into, you know, creating The Secret together with the other guys. And then from there, I shifted more towards business. So Brian Tracy, Les Brown, all these people that they are. Eric Thomas, you know, the other guy that hip hop preacher, he called himself. 
myself and I went to some uh, live events they done in London so it's uh, it's very interesting because it's all a community of people they are like starting from like uh, motivators you know and successful speakers and you go up to Tony Robbins and people like that but uh, I like to see more of a realistic side of things so if they start telling you hey just think about money and believe you know you get money and then you get a check through your letterbox <laughs> it doesn't really work like that you know Did you try it yeah of course you know uh, I try it where's I got, my check I got fine <laughs> but uh, apart from that that's why you know I told you Obama or even like historical people like Hitler and people like that I know you know I'm not judging them for like the right or wrong you know, way of speech I'm judging them for the words they use to trigger something in people yeah. and call them to action so now even if we're in a digital world we're still going back to that. The basics of mm. marketing are still there because if you go on a website, you know, this is my, my, my page, but the call to action, you know, the, the authority you actually get in the first two or three, two or three seconds when you're talking to someone, uh, your link is there, you know, people go in and they gain trust and, you know, they trust you more and more and more and then they actually, uh, they increase your uh, credibility as well and then you get some reviews and so mm. feedbacks from people that are talking about you. All these sort of things, mm. they're they there forever. And uh, every time we're reading, uh, you know, we're watching an ad online or, you know, on TV and stuff, they always touch these basic principles. They go back to what we actually would like to do or make. So now Christmas is coming up and we're going to see everything all over again about Amazon and all these like big e-shops. They are actually trying to get us into buying something. Or when you see some McDonald's ads, you know, while you're watching a football game and then you order McDonald's. It's so interesting and fascinating how this works. And so that's why I wanted to actually know more following all these people and be inspired by these people because then, you know, they can move countries and get mm. people to do things. So that's why I put Obama up there, not because of his politics, but, and, you know, given to him that he was sort of the first black American president or whatever. So there's a lot of like interesting thing that goes yeah. beyond that. But not being a black guy, I will never fully understand that, mm. you know, even even though I just finished a book about racism and stuff, and it's called, it's very interesting, and it's like one of the latest movies that came out, uh, books that came out, it's called uh, Why I Never uh, Talk to Race, uh, uh, no, Why I Don't Talk to Race, uh, Why I Don't Talk to White People About Race Anymore, something like that, so Why I Don't Talk About Race, there we go, I, Why I Don't Talk to White People About Race, and uh, it's very, it's very powerful. So it's uh, this uh, woman. Let's uh, put images. Why I'm no longer t- yeah, yeah, yeah. talking Images. to white people. You see that one? This is the one. Yeah. So this is uh, very interesting because uh, this uh, woman she started to uh, study a lot about. Um, racism and all of this and uh, how it developed over the years and uh, it may, she makes you understand in all sort of contexts why they mm. have a uh, disadvantage in all sort of ways and they say a, a white guy would never understand that because you're born this way mm. and so in everything you know and from school to this to that and as long as you know the world is always developing and stuff but this will take years and years and years and I don't think I will never think I think we get to a even level the yeah. same now goes with uh, sexes you know uh, men and women uh, gay people trans non-binary people, and all everything stuff, you know yeah. so for, for me it's uh, I the thing I don't understand is when they now after George Floyd and stuff you know the, all the movement of Black Lives Matter all, a lot of like uh, black community started to come at us 
to say that we have to say sorry and apologize mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. But I think that me or you know other people like our generation, we never disrespecting anyone. So you know I always treat people for what they are and mm-hmm. what they give me. No matter what color they are or what sex they are or what sexual yeah. orientation they is, exactly. you know, if you're dumb, you're dumb. You know, if you like, you know, just like argue with me, then we argue about something there. Yeah. You know, yeah. so don't just march on that. You know, to have like something more. Yeah. But at the same time, store uh, history cannot be changed. So it's not my fault if you were treated like that. But the thing I'm doing now to change it is that I will never do that to you. And, and that is, yeah. There is, a, you know? I think that that is a huge ca- can of worms to open it. It's like there's so many things going on. But bottom line is, I mean, we have no control, or we had no control. We have nothing to do with whatever our ancestors did, yeah. and whatever laws and rules they lived upon, and how they acted, and and to bring that to this day, and someone like you know our generation goes because we're different race and history would happen and blame us for that it's uh it is it is quite crazy i i don't really understand much about it so and yeah that's why i know. like to to read stuff like this you nice. know because sometimes I if I, i'm not the the the, the first person here mm. in uh, you know living all of this it's nice to um go in different sectors and understand you know different areas and understand yeah why what other people leave exactly and we have a much better perspective and in, uh, in in retrospect as well because like um, only you're gonna understand what is the deal with other people only when you go and live in those different countries so that's why like one of my latest experiences with indonesia was when i went to uh slums in jakarta where you see the way people live there i I was crying my eyes out i couldn't believe that there's these disgusting rivers like that polluted and stink and and these little kids just playing around topless just doing their thing and just big smiles on their faces and you don't see them sad you yet they just live their lives the way they've been exposed all their lives and then you're like think about oh yeah my friends are complaining that they can't afford to build extension for their house and uh, that the garage is not big enough for their new suv you know it's like what the hell is going on and um and that's what i'm saying like when i'm going to have kids hopefully one day the best education is to travel and to take them to these different places you yeah. know and to show them what's going on the same thing like even la i live in la only about uh, three months uh, i was in santa monica boulevard right and and what we see you know on, on tv or whatever it's like, oh this amazing la that's all actors look at the streets the yeah. homeless people the crap what's going on there and it's way worse apparently now they have those villages of of tents and all that and and the, uh, I was listening to Joe Rogan stuff, and they were talking about how Americans they want to be so PC and not even allowing to con- uh, think that the reason why they have those homeless people because there's so many drug addicts and most of them are drug addicts not because they they were like forced out of their homes or whatever the most of them they they because of their addiction and in order to go to rehab you uh, th- uh, if they're going to go to rehab or their housing they're not allowed to do drugs anymore so they don't want to go to do, have a, a, a housing from the government and um, yeah it's just yeah it is it is that's why it's understand it's good to understand all of this and to explore 100%. all of this. Firstly to understand for you what's right or wrong and secondly to be um aware of what's going on when you deal with different people because if you're travelling you get in touch with all these different uh backgrounds, then yeah, you need to yeah. understand how to act and how to react to yeah. this. But without just being disrespe- disrespectful, no. without like following their trends or whatever, you just do what you wanna do. But you know, in, in not impacting. We should else. be giving again. Uh, that's the way I think. We should be giving opportunity to anyone to have a conversation, and then 
Yeah, we're always going to have a judgment. You know, that's a human nature. But to judge someone just because the way they look or the way where they're from or whatever, or even what they believe, you know, that's that's different things. So, and then you mentioned Greg Plitt. So I've never heard of that name. So Greg Plitt is, um, you can look him up on uh, Google. So basically now, uh, he died like six, seven years five, six years ago. But uh, this guy was one of the first guys to study off being a fitness model. So if it rings a bell or whatever, this guy is one of the best fitness models out there that done the most covers, you know, in Mm. the industry. And he was the first guy who started having a uh, private member as a website who was at the time was no one was doing it. Mm. So it was always ahead of his game because it was having like a kind of decent, you know, great physique. You know, nowadays, you know, if you see someone like this, you say, yeah, it looks great. But, you know, the, the level got way higher. But at the same time here, we're talking uh, about maybe 10 years ago. So once it was coming out like that, great shape, you know, it was really coming away from the bodybuilding scene. It was mostly into fitness. And this guy did a lot of stuff. He was uh, he was into the Marines. He was uh, skydiving and then, you know, like cycling and then swimming and uh, everything that, you know, you, 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 you were talking about before by having like a great functional physique. And uh, being ahead of this game, you know, being with sponsors or whatever, it was something like what I'm doing now, but 10 years ago. So when I started, I was looking at him, I was like, shit, you know, one day I want to get there. And when I was, you know, in New York, in my room, whatever, I was like doing push-ups, watching his videos. And then you look back after 10 years, I like, shit, I'm doing what he's doing. And when I went to LA, I met some of his great best friends. They helped him starting with his website, with his videos or whatever. So now I'm in a place where I got all this connection. And, you know, I met him like a couple of times. We had lunch together and stuff before he passed. And uh, he passed shooting a YouTube video, man. He what passed, happened? you know, because he, he, he wanted to, to, challenge a, to challenge a train. And, uh, what do you mean know, challenge the train? What did he do? It means that the train is coming this way. And then this guy wants to challenge the train. So you, you run faster and then you pass in front of the train. And so he ran, and then I think the train got him. You know, like Are that. you serious? Yeah, that's crazy, what you're doing. Fucking dumb. But, uh, you know, <laughs> apart from that, you know, that's, that's what we're talking, living to the limits, you know. And uh, yeah. he's like a very good motivator and a very good uh, I think I've seen speaker. some stuff before, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think on his website, he got all his uh, real, his uh, introductory real, where he shows, like, everything that uh, he used to do. He's a bungee jumping and all of this. So one of his motto was like, yeah, you live once, but if you live... Uh, right or if you live at your fullest one is enough yeah, and yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's so interesting because he was living like like that that's why he died so young because he was living with his motto mm. but he, he kind of did everything he wanted in his life and uh, he was so into alcohol that you know some people even know that he got like a great physique because he's always been like that but he was like s- drinking so much that some friends of mine were used to go to his place you know maybe at seven in the morning whatever he was already like drunk and uh, he missed out on some big opportunities in la because he was like they knew he was like he loved to drink so oh, he couldn't get on a tv show sometimes whatever because otherwise it would have been like pissed and then started maybe like talking shit or whatever and which is like so opposite of yeah. what you do but at yeah. the same time if it works for you then great you know we all have our things you know and uh, so that was his but then at the same time he was a great professional and there's the thing about addiction as well so very often someone who's a great athlete they have they they are addicted to do what they do and then with them to alcohol gaming um gambling any of those are very dangerous paths so i think it's hard i think once you finish your career to 
not fall into something else because let's say even for i see many times with dieting if you've been an athlete like uh an aesthetic athlete for so long after 10 years let's say you're dieting and you're restricting your food and you're always uh, looking at the food that you eat and stuff after you finish your career that you can eat freely mm. don't you go crazy on your food you know like it's yeah, like yeah, the opposite yeah. the mindset you know so of course it's, it's it, it happens and if you love to be addicted to something as you said then you'd be addicted to something else because this is how how you're programmed so you uh, just hope that it's going to be a healthy addiction not a crazy destructive one yeah 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 yeah. and uh yeah and Frank Sinatra. Sinatra. why do they put him next to trump man like, i don't know come man on. but yeah look like fashion that's it everything like but the music man and, and, and you're of course fan that's, of, why fan I grew, of jazz. that's why i grew up with his discography when I was uh, when I was a kid, you know, mm. I was listening to all the songs and uh, his voices. I read I read like a, a couple of uh, biographies of him, but uh, it's just the way that I loved the way of becoming this popular before social media and internet yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So that to me, those are the real uh, celebrities. Because now you have so many celebrities like on TikTok and uh, gamers or whatever that we don't even know they exist, but they have their niche of people of 10 million people following them. Yeah. We don't know them. So they're not, I think to me, they're not celebrities. But here, we're talking about here, uh, Elvis and all these like, crazy people, Marilyn Monroe, all these people that we've been in history forever that were like so powerful that people were actually traveling, moving just with like, TV at the time, but not even TV, you know, magazines or whatever, and they were like at the top and they did this all their lives because here it was young, but then all its life until it died, it was doing that. So it's, it's just incredible to think of that now, you know, mm. so that's why I admire them so much. And then, you know, everything goes with then the style, you know, of his and uh, the era that he was in because then he got some recalls as well in The Godfather before there's some recalls when the mafia was helping him or whatever. It was the beginning of uh, Las Vegas and stuff. It was very interesting because then Las Vegas was mostly built uh, by the mobs and yeah. then they, they were using people like this to bring up Vegas because it was nothing it was like nothing in the desert you know and then from the desert they started going some hotels and then they were actually fighting for each with each other who get the best celebrity to get people in their hotel and their venue and then play at the casino and all of this so then of course you know you get some favors from this guy because then he gets some good money but then he stays just with you exclusively yeah. so it was like a real nice story um, to know now and uh, that's why, as I told you before, even biographies and all of that, it's very interesting to know all of this stuff. There's a, there's another great movie about the founder. It's called The Founder. as There's the guy who invented McDonald's. Mm. And that's very interesting. If you happen to watch, it's like Michael Keaton, which is like a very nice actor, very good actor. But this guy... Um, I think, yeah, I seen. I, yeah, I don't right. think I've seen the film, but the uh, the whole idea that uh, someone wanted to buy that uh, McDonald's and then they didn't refuse to sell it, and then they just wanted to. This open guy the was way. Uh, this guy was selling uh, milkshake uh, machines, mm. and he was selling it maybe once a week or whatever. He was trying to make some money or whatever, and then all of a sudden he got like uh, an order for like three or four machines from this uh, San Bernardino shop, who was McDonald's. So he actually drove down there himself to see why they wanted so many machines, what was going on. And they understood that this uh, McDonald's thing, you know, they were two brothers, it's like Dick and Mac, they invented the whole um, system that now they still use in McDonald's. So you have the station for the for the, for the the syrup, for the, for the fries and yeah. the syrup for the ketchup and mustard, the, the, the fries and the milkshake, and everything is like in place that 
everything can be very fast and effective because everyone has their station. Mm. It's, it's like it's like in a factory, right? So this guy understood how they were working. Like shit, you know, we have to franchise this. We have to franchise. And these guys were actually scared about doing that and go bigger. But eventually, you know, they got into be their uh, salesman. And these guys started to go around America, you know, to open like different shops and stuff. But then they were getting, of course, a cut of whatever they were getting from the franchises. But then he understood quite um, uh, fast that it was not the money they were making on a dollar hamburger, but it was the uh, money you were making in renting real that estate. place out. In yeah, real it was estate. about real estate. And yeah. now if you think about it, McDonald's owns the best places in the world. You go Piccadilly, you go Times Square, you go everywhere, and there's a McDonald's in the best areas in every single city. And McDonald's used to own all of this, so the guy who wants to open a McDonald's on top of it pays rent to you. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. why he started to make money. And then the guys wanted to pull out, and it was like so powerful and he had so much money that he could actually eventually, he could buy out their brand and they even have the money for the lawyers to fight against them. So it was a bit sad at the end because of course the guys got left out and then these two guys actually started McDonald's. Of course they got like a million each to go out but at the same, which at the time was a lot of money, but at the same time, they were not able to use that name anymore. Mm. So this guy at the end opened like a McDonald's in front of their first ever McDonald's and they had to change their name because they couldn't use McDonald's anymore. So the whole story is like fascinating. Yeah. But you know, you, you learn how these people how these people do it and, and how, uh, yeah. how uh, relentless they are and they work you know so hard and they so uh, into doing something that they don't sleep at night anymore. They're like crazy. I have to do this, and uh, you know it's so inspiring from. Uh, from seeing this, you know, that it gets you, it gets you thinking, gets you shit, you know, I can do, I can do anything, you know? Exactly. Again. And I, I think like reading books and you, as, as I hear from you, you read a lot and, uh, um, I do meet people once in a while. I don't want to say whose names, uh, you, you know, one of them <laughs> who say like, Oh, I don't really read and stuff. And I think, um, well, obviously everyone's choice, but I think from reading books and uh, op opening and widening your horizons, that's how we grow. And that's how we, Learn other stuff. So we're gonna have we're gonna do one little uh, segment where we're just gonna say bye to everyone. Just give me a second. We're gonna change camera setup. Well, listen, Diego, this has been crazy. We've done two hours, and uh, there's probably ten hours more to talk about all sorts of subjects. Um, I'm really glad that I actually had had you here today because honestly, you know, I kn I knew that you're a smart guy. The things what you were studying, but like just the fact about that university, how difficult it was to get into, I had no idea. Because when someone says, "Oh, I'm studying nutrition and stuff," <laughs> it's like, "Oh yeah, some kind of bullshit course you'd get there and then get qualified." Uh, your your life story is insane. The things what you've done in Mexico go like really cool and uh, I can't I just I'm really looking forward to see what else you're going to bring on the table um, it's, a, it's a lot of cool inspiring stuff and so hopefully whoever is watching this podcast um, you know if they any have any questions or anything how do they get in touch with you what is the best so we have the Instagram here which is uh, Diego Secchi not Secchi yeah um, so yeah mostly through my social channels because of course then they have my uh, link to my website or anything so it depends a lot of people want to get in touch with me for different reasons so as an online coach as a sports nutritionist uh, as a as an author it depends on what they want you know yep. but everything that you know it's me then they see on my social media so they can understand and appreciate like they 
like the roundness of my of my skills and abilities. It's a package. Yeah, the total package. <laughs> so yeah, but you know, it was very uh, nice to come on the show, and it was very great to see you again. And uh, this is a nice chance to see you. So I guess if you do like once a year. Yeah, we know, should do it every year. No, this is, this is a great thing, so we can update. We catch up and exactly. see what happened in the last year, and then we see if this podcast is actually bringing me good luck as well, because you know, and if it goes worse next year, then you know, I might actually... <laughs> hey, you know. Well, you, then you're just going to ignore my phone call. Um, <laughs> what It was like, what, three years was last time we seen each other? Four yeah, years ago? Had, it's been yeah, a while. Yeah, yeah, three, four years ago. It's been yeah, a while. Time flies, man, and uh, you know, even because of this last yeah, couple of years, whatever, you know, it went nice. fast for everyone. But, you know, I know that you got a lot, you know, going on and you got, like, I, I wish you the best of luck, you know, with this uh, new project of yours. And uh, I hope to be here again in the future. Cheers, buddy. Thank you so much. Yeah, Listen, yeah. before we also finish this, I just, I always try to ask to my guests, yeah. what can you suggest for your uh, future, whether it's Italian Diego's or Latvian Diego's, anyone who would like to kind of step into this, whether it's fitness, anything, I guess, like what would be your kind of a little suggestions to people? Young people, old people, doesn't matter. No, firstly, I think, uh, as we said, we need to be realistic about if that is uh, what you really uh, can achieve. Mm -hmm. So I'm not being negative, I'm just being realistic. So sometimes, you know, if I'm this short, I'm not... Uh, say oh, I want to play in the NBA. You know, yeah, you have yeah, to, you have to I think that's what the self. usual example. <laughs> yeah, you have to, you have to be real. <laughs> I want to be self, next Shaquille you know? O'Neal. I'm five that's, feet tall. That's the thing. So, firstly, understand what your uh, potential is, what your skills are, and where you're good at. Mm -hmm. And of course, if you're good at something, of course, you can always get better and better. But at the same time, you need to understand what you have there that is above anyone else, or something that is unique to you. And then you can start polishing it and working on it and develop it farther and farther to be unreachable to many people. So this is what you should do. And uh, secondly, have faith in uh, you first. So a lot of people will bring you down. You know, in the beginning, as you said, people don't really believe in what you do. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh yeah, well, you know, whatever, you know, yeah, good luck, you know, great, great idea. But then they will start seeing the results and they start believing in yourself. Like they start believing in you later on. And then they start pushing you later, of course. But firstly, they are the ones that are like, oh, yeah, shit, yeah, you know, waste of time or whatever. So don't be discouraged if someone maybe will not want to invest maybe in something that you do. If you're looking for investors out there or people that maybe give you opportunities, don't be like disappointed if someone don't really see you through value in the beginning. They're like, oh, we're not really interested now, you know, if it's like a working interview or whatever, because you really need to believe in yourself first and understand you can make this happen. And secondly, then once you reach that level, then, you know, don't actually, you know, discourage like, or other people or maybe just don't uh, cut those uh, connections with the people that didn't want you in the beginning mm -hmm. because it's not their fault, but everyone is there for a reason and they always want to see the return, you know, mostly in business. So if, if it's not the right time for you yet, of course, they would not like to collaborate with you now because, of course, they don't see the value and the return exactly, in that. Yeah. So it's up to you to show them what's the value they can get or they can gain or you can bring to and them. And how serious now. you are as well because yeah. there's so often someone gets all hyped up. Yes, I'm going to be the next Arnie or I'm going to do this. And, uh, and, and, and then you're like, yeah, fantastic. And you don't get that straight away, that response, which you maybe expect. But then give, give, give yourself a year or whatever time and come and say, you know, that's what I and mean. And as the saying goes, you know, actions, speak louder than words and uh, exactly. in these worlds now in this world filled with a lot of like words and uh, ads and we bombarded by different uh, people there are no ones that they come out of the blue you know different like, new fake profiles and all of this we don't know who's real and who's not so yeah. by doing things and by achieving 
things and goals and showing people what we've done instead of just talking about it. Or maybe actually almost have other people talking about what we've done because we impacted so many people and we've done good to this world. Then we understand who's real. And once you have quality, I think that would stay longer because it's easy to scam some people out, you know, some money, you know, if you say, oh, I'm a teacher in this, I'm a guru in that, whatever. But then eventually people will find out when firstly, you're not passionate about what you do. And secondly, you're not uh, a professional in what you do. So really go at it, you know, become like the best you can be and keep investing in yourself all the time because, you know, things change. And uh, as a nutritionist myself, you know, talking about my own experience, I, I studied for the last 10 years, but it's still something that I have to study because things are changing all the time. Research goes on, science develops, and we have to understand what's new and what's good and what's bad. And people believe change, of, of course, as well. And so you always need to keep updated with your skills, but at the same time, don't lose um, sight of where you want to be. And of course, that will change in some years' time. And so that's why if you ask me now where I want to be in five years, I don't know. But at the same time, I'm, um, I'm sure of what I want to do and I want to do what I'm doing because then, you know, that, that fulfills me at the end of the day. I feel great that, I, that I've done it and I want to keep doing it. So. Hallelujah, brother. On that one, we're going to finish this amazing experience here with Diego at... Uh, Renaris' podcast. <laughs> uh, listen, man, I'll, I'm just saying all good luck and I will see you soon. Boosh. Little dance. Show the moves. <laughs> it's so loud. <laughs> oh, this is the guitar. And now you should be on the drums. You should be on saxophone. You should be on the drums. Yeah, where is it? <laughs> Super duper. Right.